on Bad Radio. My safe word will be whiskey. Sorry, Rod, what was that? Whiskey. Do you mean whiskey? What? You're saying it weird. Saying what weird? All of it. Where do you get off? I just don't get why you're saying it that way. Why I'm saying what what way? Forget it. I will. I will forget it. I'll sleep nude, even if you're in the same room with me. Oh, these are good times. In fact, I have, and you didn't even know it. Yeah, I didn't. Did you know that, Bob? Didn't he? Until you woke up with your shirt on inside out. Did I know what? And he was in the bathtub, and it was full of ice. (laughs) (laughs) Call 911 now. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) Uh, Okay. Hello, Charlie Kelly here. Local business owner and cat enthusiast. Is your cat making too much noise all the time? Is your cat constantly stomping around, driving you crazy? Is your cat clawing at your furnitures? Think there's no answer? You're so stupid. There is kitten mittens. Finally, there's an elegant, comfortable mitten for cats. I couldn't hear anything. Is your cat one-legged? Is your cat fat, skinny, or an in-between? That doesn't matter, because one size fits all. Kitten mittens, you'll be smitten. So come on down to Patty's Pub. We're the home of the original kitten mittens. Meow. No offense to the American Airlines Center, but the the uh, generic, sterile sports environment that we enjoy most nights where you're not sure if you would stand outside the arena if 50% of the people knew the final score, even the outcome at times in the uh-huh. old number seven club after the game. Hey, did the Mavericks win tonight? Right. Mavericks played it? <laughs> it, it's just, it... <laughs> That's Bob's new character called Mavs fan. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. It... Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Do a segment of nothing but 40 liners. Right about now, Sports Radio 1310 The Ticket presents the Bad Radio Weekly Wrap-Up Podcast. This week, Luca's going to get lit, Dez wants to come back home, and no, that's good, killer. Also, hashtag he's on Mino, Julie Dabbs, old man Ryan Medlin, Les Killer, R.I.P. Bob, and R.I.P. Donnie Dew. And now two guys that are hashtag girl dads, it's Dan McDowell and Jay Kim. Shut it down. Let's go So grown. So huge. Fuck out of here. Find a control here, Bill. I don't want audio. Football, football. Isn't football great? Man, I love football so much. You want the ultimate. You got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. Is this it? Is this it? Get up.
idea what to do right now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Bad Radio Weekly Wrap-Up Podcast, covering the week of February 28th. On this week's podcast, we have Jerry on Des Bryant. We also have a Jane Slater interview with Des Bryant. We have Luca's 21st birthday party bash conversation, all that. We got Mark Cuban controversy call. We have Wilder vs. Fury. We have Today in Hot Topics. We got a failed killer game show name that drop. And Bad Radio Talks, the ticket time wasters. First things first, we have Jerry Jones on Des Bryant. All right, we don't change the uh, acronym today, as it's uh, Julie and Dan. Julie in for Jake, Killer in for, wait, yeah, Killer's in for nobody really, that's a rotating chair right now. Just an empty seat. And uh, we're here for you. May have Tyler Sagan, not sure. Let's see how that goes for the next segment. They got a pretty tight schedule today. Uh, But if there's no Tyler, we've got plenty of Jerry audio because I had planned today to kind of go through Mike McCarthy was speaking the other day and he talked for about 20 minutes or so. And I thought, oh, that'll be good for our show on Friday. Well, then apparently yesterday Jerry held court for like an hour and a half. Yep. He appeared to be in sitting in his office or something and just on had... On the bus. Oh, that was on the bus? Yeah. I couldn't tell where that video was from. Okay, well, he just sat there for an hour and a half fielding tons of questions. A lot of CBA talk was in there, but nothing was ignored as far as, uh, you know, Dak's contract and whatever. He was spinning old tales and yeah. telling stories because I guess it was also the anniversary of the day he bought... The Cowboys, so he was relating a lot of stuff back to that. Yeah. I like how um, this always comes kind of unannounced. Like, it sneaks up on you, and you start seeing the quotes on Twitter, and then I guess there were no video cameras, so you start just seeing still images, and it's like random, awkward pictures of Jerry from the side, like hunched over in a chair, and then with a quote attached to it, and so I'm, I'm just thinking, what? is this is he in a massage chair like is he at a spa and then you're like oh yeah he's doing the combine thing again where he just holds court and talks for no apparent reason but gives the media a lot of really good stuff yeah even without what we're going to play here there's a ton to get into so we'll see if we have time to play more than just this this is the this is the thing that's coming out of this right he talks for an hour and a half he talks for two minutes about Des Bryant, and that is all anybody wants to talk about right now. Uh, so I know we've played some shorter clips here on the ticket. We got a nice two-minute cut for you here as he talks about what's going through his mind. He was asked about Des Bryant because Des has been making noise that he wants to come back and he wants a chance with the Dallas Cowboys. What does the man in charge say about that? I have not talked to Des directly. I've been thinking about it a lot in the shower. Yeah. I have been. I have been. 
I'm not dismissing it. I mean, I'm, I don't want to sound like it should be dismissed by saying that. Right. I'm thinking about it. That's all that he had to say to make everybody get in a tizzy. So, been thinking about Des a lot in the shower. There's conjures up some weird things for you, but would like to know how big Jerry's shower is. Does he have a the dual head or the the triple? Like right. he's it's got to be the greatest shower ever. Nice and maybe recliner. there's yeah, maybe he's sitting in a chair and he's or is he thinking of Des in the shower? Maybe that. Huh. An interesting twist. Uh. But anyway, that's all he had to say. So he's been thinking about Des. He's not ruling it out. There will be some follow-up uh, talk with Des, though. Why? Why? Well, because he's an outstanding player. And, uh, uh, you know, the obvious is the obvious. He's had a, he's been, had a, pre, had a serious injury. He's been out a little bit. Uh, but uh, Des is a great player. And uh, uh, the, the obvious is the obvious is he's still is he's still a great player, and uh, we know Dez better than anybody. I know him better. I know him better than I'm going to say anybody. Do you have any misgivings whatsoever about contentious nature of the way it ended with him a few years ago? It, I didn't. It didn't end that way with me and him. And it didn't end that way with me. And I understand completely how things can end that way. Uh, but I've, I've seen some, uh, I've seen uh, uh, those types or, or those characteristics of uh, people and uh, organizations ending, uh, and those are reparable. They really are, because uh, the best to him will. Uh, and again, I'm not trying to get sentimental here, but the very best of Des is what I remember. Very best of him. Heart that big. I remember. I remember a lot of good things, and uh, uh, far overshadows the negatives for me as a player. Now the question is: is can he? Can he perform and can he uh, overcome that injury and can he uh, get in the kind of shape that it takes to be available, all of that kind of thing? Yeah, all that kind of thing. So that's kind of shocking to me that he went that far. Yeah. And I'm, I don't know if it's shocking to Mike McCarthy, who thought he was kind of going to have more say or we're going to talk these things out before we go blurting them to the media. I was on with uh, Bob and Corby yesterday, right when this was all kind of going down on on Twitter, when it was all being released, what what Jerry just said to us. Uh, And, you know, we were talking about this is like, this might be Mike McCarthy's first swim through what it's like to have Jerry as an owner and not, you know, no owner basically, you know, in Green Bay that was stepping up to talk and cut your legs out from under you or whatever. He's heard about it. And he's maybe been warned about it, but up until now, he hasn't really felt what that's like. When you hear Jerry talking about something that potentially largely affects your team and your players, your roster, but you haven't even weighed in on it yet, or maybe you already know, no, I I don't want that guy here. But Jerry's out there saying this. 
So I don't know if I'd be surprised if Dez wasn't a can't. You know what I mean? I guess there's going to be behind the scene. There's things going on right now right? with the Cowboys behind the scenes as far as maybe they're worrying about how to politically uh, step close to Jerry to say, I don't want any part of this. or Because yeah, this will be a huge story in trading camp if Dez is here. And then inevitably... You know, let's say they sign him to the league minimum or something, and and he starts to actually play well. Well, then that's going to be a big problem, and I I don't know. It just seems like there's more bad than good. Like Jerry probably should have just said, "We're moving on," or or yeah. It it, it just feels like going back to Des can't be a huge positive, but I could be wrong. But this session in the bus at the combine, it's not about saying the right thing. It's not about saying the smart thing. It's about saying, like, um, stream of consciousness just talking for an hour and a half is what this seems like. And this is literally exactly how Jerry feels about Des. He probably hasn't talked to anybody about this yet. He's telling the media for the first time. So a situation like this is where I guess you will see, does Jerry really have the final say? If he wants Des there, will Des be there? If he wants Des there because he says... I know Des better than anybody else. What was that? He's saying that he knows Des better than anybody else knows Des or. But just to even say that, that just kind of goes back to the whole Jerry Jones getting so close to these people that he gets a little bit ahead of himself or just kind of brainwashed based on. I know him so well. I think he's a good player. He has a really good heart. And if he is showing interest in my team, I have to at least allow him to show that interest and not shut this down right out of the gates. It seems like that's kind of what he's doing there. It also seems like by him saying, I don't remember any of that. I don't remember any of the negative stuff that went down when Des left. Yeah, I only remember that's not the good, positive. Right? It's like when you're in that relationship with somebody yeah. that keeps maybe doing things that that are not healthy to your relationship, that aren't healthy to the greater good of, of what you're trying to build, whether that's a relationship or whatever, but you keep just kind of trying to justify bringing that person back or dating that person. It's never a good idea, right? You only remember the good things. Right. When you're trying to talk yourself into it. Yes. And then once things start happening, you're like, oh yeah, oh, that's why I'm not with her. Exactly. Well... I think it was pretty shocking audio yesterday. It trumps everything else that he said. Uh, we got a lot more Jerry guilty as charged as he talks about the CBA and Dak, but that's a huge, huge deal, and we'll continue to follow that story. Next, Bad Radio talks about a interview Jane Slater had with Des Bryant. It's time for Des of the Day. Now, uh, last week we saw the videos <clears throat> of Des Bryant actually working out over in West Fort Worth at APEC. Which With is, uh, Mahomes, yeah, they've the guys who have had Mahomes in their gym for you know since he was fourteen. We had uh, the guy who owns that place on whenever I was with Corby from three to seven the week of the Super Bowl. Um, and when they told me a couple weeks ago that Dez was coming in and that he was bringing you know a very much uh, respect coach to help him with routes and work on it, I was anticipating the day that those videos dropped, knowing this is going to get the hype machine going because. Posting videos of yourself working out is one thing. Posting videos of yourself working out with Patrick Mahomes is another. And it feels like it's kind of a PR move, but I also know that he really is putting in the work 
uh, to try to get back into the league. We know that he's reached out to Stephen Jones. That seems incredibly unlikely, but he sat down for a long interview with the NFL Network's Jane Slater on her podcast, The Boys and a Girl Podcast, uh, which she hosts with her producer, Bobby Belt. And uh, Dan went through the whole thing. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff, but uh, I kind of listened to it so you wouldn't have to, and I'm going to give you the highlights. You want to do that? Sure. So, um, well, first of all, she's just asking him, let's start off with this one, which is just uh, a message to those who say, you know, what would you say to the, the haters or those who say, you know, you're 31, your time has passed, you're too slow, all that kind of stuff. You know, my message is this right here. Like, first and foremost, I've never been a speed guy. So I just blocked that out. Um, I've been running routes. My routes has improved tremendously thanks to this guy over here, especially getting in and out of my breaks. You know, I used to rely on pure ability, um, which I still have. Um, you know, um, I really I, I really blocked that out. I know I could play this game. I'm really not worrying about nobody who never played this game. And, you know, for the people who's still in this game, seeing my workouts, giving me their feedback. That's the only thing that matters to me. You know, um, you know, when I got guys like Earl Thomas coming on my stuff, getting messages from Patrick Peterson, those are elite DB guys. You know, that's the only thing that matters to me. So, you know, I'm going to continue to keep grinding. You know, um, I got my head down. I'm not expecting anything. I'm just going to work and see where it takes me. So, kind of, you know, generic. He's going to get a little more specific on some different things. I don't know if he gets too specific on this next one, but uh, Jane Slater asks Des uh, how he's mentally different from when he was released, you know, because, uh, like he said, he wasn't getting back in the game just because of his head. It wasn't anything to do with his abilities. Uh, you know, there was rumors that the the Ravens might have offered him something or the Browns were trying to get him in there and... Uh, so he addressed his, his mental state. Well, mentally, um, I felt like I had a lot of mixed emotions. You know, I had just been recently cut from the Cowboys. I, was, I wasn't really trying to play football that year, but I'm going to save that for another time. Um, I just wasn't where I needed to be mentally. And um, I appreciate Coach Payton for bringing me in and believing in me. And I appreciate those guys you know, that was there because they brought me in. They showed me crazy love you know something i never forget the best 48 hours of my life is up there um i never forget that you know and having that in the back of my head that's another reason why i want to continue to keep grinding but i want to take my time you know so i can focus really get my mind right really understand where i'm at in life and you know just get my priorities in check and i feel like i've done that and i'm doing it now and you know I'm, like i said i'm just grinding you know and I'm looking to play ball this year. I believe him. As far as what? Just in the sense that whenever everybody was talking about when before he got to the Saints and when he was sitting out and you know the Ravens offer was it real was it not? I genuinely believe that he was either telling teams or some he was telling someone who was then telling teams I'm not ready to come back right now mentally. And I think it's kind of sad that if a dude says that. Then it kind of messes you, you up you, forever, then, yeah, right? Exactly, and you're you, like it's even like you're now you're like, okay, so you're ready now. Yeah, how, but, how do I know next week you're going to then say I'm not ready now? That's true. It sucks that that vulnerability is there, but the thing is, is that we've people who are critical of Dez have always said, "Oh, this guy's immature. He's emo- he doesn't have emotional intelligence. 
He doesn't know how to handle adversity uh, when it comes his way, when it, uh, things don't go his way, I guess, in a locker room. And he stopped and said, I need to take a step back and get my brain and my soul and my mind right because he, in some extent, to a certain extent, is admitting that his mind and his, his situation wasn't right. And then people are like, you're soft. You just don't want to play? There's a lot of players that should be doing that, right? That they should admit it. They should say, I need to take a step back and get my mind right. And they don't. And they try to play through it and then, you know, look at Antonio Brown. That's a great, that's, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. Is that before things blew up on Dez entirely, he said, I feel like I'm spinning out of control here a little bit. I want to take a step back. But now isn't it, it's risk, risk reward with him that he, you know, was beat up a bit when he left the Cowboys. He was not peak Dez. He's now been gone from the game for two years. He he got a real serious injury in trying to come back. Now is it even worth, like, because Josh Gordon was the same way, right? Didn't he mentally, I, I just can't be at camp. I can't, you know, they, they different teams would give him, I'll give you a the time to get yourself right. The Patriots were giving him all the time he needed. Because the reward was he's still at the top of his game type thing. If he's healthy, he can he can get 200 yards in a game receiving, and you wouldn't think anything of it. Dez right now, what is what is he? Well, he's not good enough to get that leash, if that's the, the bottom like, line of it. To get like any leash. Um, but I right. still think it might be worth it, and you just bail at the sign of first trouble if you're a team who might need a little bit of depth outside. I still think it would be worth it. Okay, he's focusing a lot on the Cowboys, of course. And maybe that's detrimental to him in the long run. But let's go here to, I'm going to jump around. There's some more generic stuff here if you want to hear the whole interview. Uh, But this one she talks about, so you remember when Dez was first released and we said, what he's doing is very bad, which is going to Twitter, calling out uh, certain guys as Garrett guys got me cut. Um, This is part of the dysfunction of the Cowboys, too, where somehow Jerry can be like, I didn't have anything to do with this, man. It's it's other people, and you know what I mean? The hidden ball trick of responsibility out there. So, And he he specifically called out Sean Lee and Jason Witten as being Garrett guys and called Sean Lee Snake Lee. Okay. So uh, Jane Slater asked him, asked Dez, if he regretted burning those bridges on the way out. Well... Uh, I'll say this. Um, I think um, it was, uh, you know, it, it was an emotional time. And um, for guys who know me and a lot of those guys, you know, who know me inside that locker room, you know, um, I am an emotional guy. You know, but, it, you know, it's all for it's all for love. You know, I really didn't mean, you know, I really don't mean no harm, you know, but, you know, I just like to speak my peace and, you know, from my honest view. You know, um, there's no bad blood with none of those guys. You know, I still love those guys. Wish those guys the best. Like I said, I root for those guys these past two years. You know, you, you know who I'm rooting for. You know, um, Sean Lee, he knows that. Um, and any other guy that, you know, well, I ain't really have problems with, no, with anybody on the team, really. I'm going to pause it and then we'll, we'll just replay it or keep playing it. But uh, does Sean Lee know that? Do they? And, and if you're a Des apologist, you've always said, well, he's emotional. Okay. That can also blow up a locker room or divide a locker room, and that's not what we need. 
we don't need a guy saying, hey, this coach is an idiot and these guys are on on his side. Because that's what he was doing when he was here. I mean, I think he proved that on his way out. That, that yes, there was an undercurrent. There's a bunch of guys that they follow Dez. And not these other white guys who are trying to tell me this. They don't understand. And then in the end, you're like, well, I'm just emotional. That's it. I, that's why I don't think he can come back. Oh, I, I don't, don't think he can come back here. No, I think that's. Although, I mean, it would. We don't know what the situation with Lee or Witten and obviously. Yeah, Garrett those guys might not be gone, coming back. So maybe it's it's almost like the only thing that would be same is the, the laundry. But on the other side of that, Jerry and Steven would still be here. And Jerry put up with a lot of Dez over the years and probably enabled him to a certain extent. So would it be any different? Probably not. Well, we're going to get to him talking to Steven and such, but let me just finish this cut as he's talking about uh, how, hey, so you called everybody a-holes on your way out the door. Eh, you know, it was all out of love. Those, <laughs> guys, know, of, those guys know how I feel. Yeah. You know who I'm rooting for. You know, um, Sean Lee, he knows that. Um and any other guy that, you know, well, I ain't really have problems with no, with anybody on the team, really. At least I didn't know. But um, I feel like it's good. You know, I still take these guys from here and there. Uh, Dak, uh, I talked to Zeke from here and there. Um, talked to Mari. So I didn't play with Amari, but me and Mari text. We play man together. You know, I talk to Gallup whenever um, he's out and about. And if I see him around, it's always good times and good vibes, you know. Um, I don't think that's never going to change. You know, my heart is here, regardless wherever I go and play. You know, um, you know, it's all love. I don't have no problem with anybody. Okay, so I got a lot more, but we probably don't have time right at this moment. Correct? All right, it's all love, but is it enough love to get Dez back with a cowboy star on his helmet? Next, this is Sports Radio. Uh, playing you some audio from. Des Bryant. So he sat down with Jane Slater uh, on her podcast, which is The Boys and a Girl. Yep. I think it's called that. Anyway, I do want to say this. She's outstanding on this. She asks everything that needs to be asked, everything you're thinking about with Des. Uh, we just played some audio. If you are just tuning in, uh, as far as does he regret burning bridges on the way out on Twitter and he pretty much says, "Ah, they 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 know me. It's all love. I'm I'm a very emotional guy, which is which is pretty true." So up next here, um, I'll go chronologically through this. So she asked him, uh, Des Bryant, back when we were talking about how he supposedly had some offers from the Ravens and Browns and turned them down for uh, you know mental reasons, like he just wasn't mentally ready to play. Uh, he will address that here. I don't want to necessarily say I turned down Baltimore um, or Cleveland. You know, it was a good reason why I didn't, you know, didn't want to play ball. You know, like I said, I wasn't mentally there. You know, and um, Coach Payton, he was on me more than he was really coming at me more than those other teams. So I'm like, man, hell with it. You know, um, he giving me that opportunity to get myself together. He wasn't just gonna throw me into the fire. You know, so and um, he kept it real with me. So. I think it was a no-brainer, you know, for me just to even attempt to try it. So that's what I did. You know, so I don't want to say I turned down the Ravens. I would have took that deal in no time if my brain was there. You know, I would have went with Cleveland in no time if my brain was there, but it wasn't. So, you know, um, 
You know, um, I didn't want to disrespect the game, and I didn't want to disrespect myself. That's just who I am. That's just who I am as a person. So I'm trying to picture myself as an NFL GM. If you're listening to this, I don't want to deal with this. Like, so I I hear what he's saying. He's saying, "Well, Sean Payton told me you don't. We'll let you go at your pace, and we're going to let you. You know what I mean? Like, it's again risk reward. I just don't feel like even today." that Dez is putting on a a good performance to say, look, for all prospective employers, look, I'm ready to go. I'm different. Do you really feel he's different? He still sounds like he's not quite sure to me, you know, who he is and why, you know, like he's like, I wouldn't say I turned down the rate. Well, did you? Because then he said, I turned down the Ravens. You know, like, yeah, I think what if I'm trying to be Des Whisper here, he's trying to say, I wasn't just telling the Ravens or the Browns, hey, I think your team sucks. I don't want to play for you. Uh, so he's trying to get into the semantics of it and say, it wasn't that I turned you down. I wasn't in a position to turn you down or accept it either way. I wasn't even considering it enough to turn it down because I just was not there mentally. To me, he sounds different than he ever has before, but the issue is. He had a long way to go. He sounds, yeah, much more humbled, I guess. He right? definitely sounds legit humbled, and I think he sounds a little more reliable, and I think he sounds a little more mentally peaceful. But we're talking about a dude who was never really forced to emotionally grow up in a lot of respects because of his upbringing. And then I think as Bob's made the case before, maybe him coming to Dallas ultimately was the worst thing for him. Because, because of all the enabling that's the enabling, done here. The coddling. Yeah. Uh, it, this the flip side of that is maybe if he's away from his family and he's in Atlanta or something, maybe that's even worse. So you never really know. But to me, he does sound different, but it's probably too late because the ability is not there to paper over what he's still missing, which is really, really getting it. So his uh, he's working with a receivers coach, and apparently this guy has been an NFL receivers coach for six to eight years or so, and he's working with him here in town. He's teaching him to run routes better and all this kind of stuff. They they get into that a little bit, but then uh, they ask the coach for what's what's your pitch for why why a team should sign Dez. Well, I'll tell him, Coach, I mean, he's um, he's a lot better shape. He's about 80, 90 percent where he needs to be. Um, he's a great team guy. He'll be a great receiver to have in the room to show the young guys the ropes, teach them how to be a professional, teach them how to win on certain scenarios and their route running. Um, so I definitely think that he'll be a, an asset um, brought in on any team that, that brings him in because um, he adds that, that experience value along with the passion and the energy and the heart that he has of playing a position. And I think he'll turn that whole receiver room into a, a, a war zone because everybody will, you know, um, will be ready to attack and play, and play like how they need to play. I don't know that that's a good pitch right there, what he just gave at all for Des Bryant. Just that he's, you know, he's going to show the young receivers how to be a professional. I can think of, uh, you, like, if you were bringing in Amari Cooper and you said that, oh, okay. I've never seen Des know how to be a professional. Okay, again, as I'm trying to somewhat agree with you, but also be Des Whisper here. On one hand, we know that he was late a lot to meetings at Valley Ranch and at the Star. On the other hand, we also know from watching camp that part of being a professional athlete is understanding that you are going to have to bring it every day, 
regardless of whether it's an important practice, a walkthrough, whatever, and you know from being out there, there was a different tone when Dez was on the field at a training camp practice. That's right. There was no feed up practices. We're just going through the motions. And he's going at people. He's telling. He's walking up to other young wideouts and being like, come on, let's go get this dude. That was probably the only thing holding back if Garrett was like, maybe I want to keep this guy because that was a very beneficial thing. The other stuff, though, how to be a professional, I don't think Dez knows the first thing about that still to this day. In fact, that's what uh, Jane Slater's next question was or as she's talking to him about being on time and showing up to physical therapy. That was one of those things they said he didn't do, uh, you know, just wouldn't listen. Um, Will you do those things now? Of course, of course. You know, uh, like a lot of those things that you mentioned, I think that's a lot of things that was in the, the beginning of my career. And right now, it's like, I got to do it, you know. Like, I got to do it to get back right, you know. Nobody's paying me to do this. I have to do this, you know. I'm getting up 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, get my mind right to go see Bobby. I got to go drive 35 minutes to Fort Worth to go to APEC. I have to do those things. I'm not getting paid for that. So I think that's I think that that's the easy part, you know. Um, like I said, I'm just getting myself back into the flow, getting my mind back right, and I'm looking I'm looking forward to make plays because I know I still can. I think that's a bit of revisionist history there too for Dez because what we heard the year before, you know, that led to his release. He wasn't showing up to physical therapy. He clearly was going through injuries, and he even said that, you know, I'm I, I'm doing this for you, and now you're penalizing me for working hard through injuries. But their point was he wouldn't go to his physical therapy sessions. And his revisionist history here is, well, a lot of that was when I was early in my career. Gordo's, uh, the last five years, I've I've changed quite a bit. And I just think, like... <laughs> I, again, you're just saying things. We've never really seen it. You're saying I will. And uh, his his point of, hey, I don't have to be doing this, but I'm doing this now, uh, I, I suppose is a valid one to stand on. I mean, would you, like, let's think back five, six years ago, if you would have said, look, Dez is going to get cut, no one else is going to sign him. Don't you think you probably, if I gave you two options of he's going to get up and drive to West Fort Worth every morning and work out for five hours a day, or he's going to go off the deep end, wouldn't you have taken the latter over the former? Well, he did the latter. Yeah, but I mean... And now he's... I mean, like, real off the deep end. Like like Julie said, A-B type stuff. Like, no one's... He has no structure from an NFL team... No, and he's still doing, and it. he's so creating his are, own structure now, right? Which to try to get back to an NFL team. So he was asked, "What does it or does it have to be the Cowboys only?" Because it seems like he's really pushing hard for it to be the Cowboys. I would love to have that opportunity, just because it's not so much of oh, I just want to play for Dallas. No, I understand. I see what they have. You know, I see the talent that they have. They have Amari Cooper. They have Michael Gallup. They have. Cobb, they have Dak, they have Zeke, they have Pollard, they have a loaded offense, they have Jarwin. And it's like, I'm like, man, I ain't really never been able to play with that much talent. Like, throughout my whole career, if you see it, I'll, I'll Okay, just... so I just wanted to play that little bit of that on purpose because he omitted Witten. And I don't know if that was on purpose, and I don't know if, 
I'm pretty sure Witten doesn't want him any part of him, but I don't know that Witten is going to be part of the Cowboys. Um, and finally, I wanted to give you this. So I'm going to include Jane's question in here because I think you need to hear what she says and then the pause afterwards. And I'm also thinking as if I'm a GM and I'm hearing this, am I thinking that this is going to be a good idea? So this is one of one, uh she's basically going to ask him if he would he would pay for the minimum in the NFL. Okay. If Steven said, because we know he could be a shrewd businessman. Yeah. All right, Des. <laughs> I'm going to bring you in here for about as cheap as I can go. Yeah. Does Des Bryant do that? Um, Your I know agent's going to hate I, me. Look, 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 look. <laughs> so right now, what do you think? Like, clearly, you think in your head, right? Of course he's a minimum player. Like, he's got to prove his way back, and if he could have actually a good year, maybe he could get a little more money. But but Jane's right, though. That's not the greatest negotiating tool. Right, to but right now, say. no one's offering him anything at all. So now she's only trying to get him offered the minimum, which is better than what not, what is out there right now. Yeah. Anyway, let's hear him answer, if I guess. Steven said, because we know he could be a shrewd businessman. Yeah. All right, Des. <laughs> I'm going to bring you in here for about as cheap as I can go. Yeah. Does Des Bryant do that? Um, Your agent's going to hate I, me. Look, look, look. look. <laughs> I, I, know, I know it wouldn't be what I would want, but I think it would be worth it. You know, I think it would be worth it because I think those guys have a real shot at going to the Super Bowl. I truly believe that. Like, I'm not just saying that, you know, how everybody say, Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. No, they really have a legit chance to do that. You know, and it's just... That's what I see. I know game. I know the game of football. Like I, I know the vibe. I just know. I know the vibes. You know, and I feel like I can help increase that vibe. You know. So that's. Uh, I don't know, man. I I I don't think it's going to be here. He does. He goes on. He talks about how he he texted with Stephen Jones, and he was encouraged by the fact that Stephen Jones actually texted him back and didn't say we're moving on. Uh, and again, don't have time to play all this audio, but he also said, you know, that gave him more motivation. And now he's out here working even harder to show because there's a uh, little there's a light at the end of the tunnel, possibly because Stephen Jones didn't say no. So to me, that kind of seems I don't know if I'm sad or you know what I mean? Like it's a bummer. It just seems. Yeah, it's he. And I'm sorry that he was mentally messed up after he was released, but well, he think, screwed himself right there. Right there, that screwed him big time for the rest of the league, especially then he said he, he only wanted to play for the NFC East so he could show the Cowboys, and come on, dude. He's, I don't know. I, I just yeah, don't think it, it's going to happen. Even with all that, at the anywhere. end of the day, if he had a little more ability or he was three years younger, what he is now would be a, a headache worth putting up with. It's that the... During the time that his physical skills have declined is the only time when his mental skills started to increase, and now it's too late, probably. It's definitely too late for here, but I would love to see him get back in the league just for a couple years, just because he's one of the most exciting players I've ever watched in my life, and I, I want the guy to be happy. You know, that's that's really all it comes down to, is he's, I, he's a, a tragic figure in a lot of sorts to me. Well, shout out Jane Slater. Good job with that Des interview. 
Bad Radio Talks, Luca turning 21. We're just talking boating. Just uh, having fun. I get it now. Thank you, Hunter, Hunter, Hunter. You get nothing. So, hey, Dan and Julie, if you're just tuning in, having a little fun. Ooh, uh, Hunter, if you can hear me, come back, grab this one piece of paper. Our printer is in the other room. And if we're up against it and the break is ending, I'll text Hunter to uh, grab me what's on the printer. But often we'll end up grabbing the... uh, the emails for Sid Kelly, the program director of uh, apparently Cliff, as well. So, got to get that back there, Hunter. Hunter also uh, printed us off some stuff, Julie. It's in the Dropbox, but I think you have some numbers as well, uh, because today is Luca's 21st birthday. That's awesome. Happy birthday, Luca. I don't know how we haven't been celebrating this whole show, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I got a friend who works for the Cavs. You may know that. I've said that before. Yep. Yeah, here you go, Hunter. Thanks. Um, and when he when I visit him or he visits me or we talk on the phone uh, now and again, he'll just be like, man, do you love doing sports talk in Dallas right now? Do you just talk about Luca for like two hours a day? Like, he can't believe that we've landed Luca. He was there when... They first drafted LeBron. So, obviously, there was more fanfare leading up to that. Like, everybody knew LeBron since yeah. he was in high school and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, he remembers just how awesome that was and that that's all Cleveland sports would talk about just because they had they had the next one. They had, like, a Jordan. You know, you have one. And I can't believe that we have one, too. Either. Like, it's so awesome. Well, and it's evident in that uh, Mike Soroy and Davey audio we heard in the open when you we were just talking about the people that the Mavs could possibly draft, and they didn't know how to say his name. Oh, that, that dude from Real Madrid. And look at him now. So definitely uh, not touted quite like LeBron. Yeah, there were some people that were really in the know. Obviously, he got drafted third overall. The Mavs really knew what they had. They knew they you know had to trade another first-rounder and that year's first to get him, which they did, like, quickly, I would imagine. They're like, yeah, fine. Anything to get Lucas. So they had a really good idea. But clearly, if you knew what Luca is, he would have been first overall. Uh, yeah. Just like Dirk, right? Is there a better than first overall? Because he would have been that, too. Yeah. It's, you know, you would have been... Airing his games from overseas when he was in high school, just like LeBron was selling out the Cavs arena when he was in high school. He was playing up there with, you know, his Akron team or whatever. Uh, But he's, like, he's that good. It's unbelievable. And I think it's, you know, maybe this goes to the, if you're a long-suffering sports fan, it means more to you when your team wins a title. Like, I thought the 2011 Mavs title meant more to us as fans and to Dirk himself for having gone through what they had gone through to get Mm -hmm. there. Like, losing the 2006 series was big, you know, like, just to get so close and just to have struggles and not be able to figure out, but then to finally break through felt like something extra special. And I wonder if we feel Luca's a little extra special, too, just because of the 
down years we've had since 2011. Yeah. All the the trying this and that and trying to convince us, you know, squint real hard and say Dennis Smith Jr. is a superstar that that can be really developed into a... Yep, and then, oh, he's gone, never mind. Yeah, well... But yes, we tried to sell him, um, and it took a long time. It took a lot of struggle to get to the title season with Dirk. It took a lot of following along with Dirk's career, watching him evolve, um, watching him grow as a player, grow as a person. You really bought in because we all... We're there for this long ride, right? And now with Luca, boom, you've got that superstar in his first season. It was already there. This season, it's insane what he's doing on the court and the kind of accolades that he is getting from people all over the league at the age of 21 as of today. And there's this sense when you're watching a Mavs game as a Mavs fan, what? did we do to deserve this? Well, and watching a Mavs game as a Mavs fan, at least to me, the last few years, as they're trying to sell us on these, this is great and this is going to work and all this, I it, I wasn't excited to watch a general regular season game, and now any game is an exciting game to me. Is it still exciting if Luke is not playing? Like, uh, do you still? No. <laughs> okay. I, but I still have more interest because I think they're a better team, and I'm interested in seeing, you know, can we get a victory out of this, even without Luka? And right. if we can, that, that'll help the playoff seeding. And, you know, you're even talking about playoffs. Like, it's kind of already a, a foregone conclusion. We went from hoping that the Mavs would have a really good building year to all of a sudden, let's get in a battle for playoff positioning. Let's see how high we can finish the season when it comes to the playoffs. And we almost did that without even realizing it or talking about it. But that's where we are now in 100% because of Luca. And they're only, and he's only 21. So I heard the hard line talking about this yesterday too a little bit. So obviously being only 21 you and in your second year, you should get better, which is what's scary. Like he's so good right now. Yet, people get better, you know, after, as this age, you know, he's not in his prime. He's not near his prime yet. He's got years to go. Isn't that insane to So think how about? good could he be at the age of 26 or 28 or, or whatever? Uh, but even the hard line was saying, if this is his peak, if this is where he stops, but he has this same year every year from here on out, he's a Hall of Famer already. Gotta be. So, you know. Injury and whatnot can can take a toll. But. Well, in, in the media types, because this is what media types do, you try to find the little things to maybe nitpick or to say this is what he can get better at because we have to have something to talk about to say that he can get better at, whether that's, you know, arguing with refs or just <laughs> right. how emotional. Like we're to that because we can't find anywhere exactly, else, right? Like how emotional he is, which I think we'll learn if we listen to some of the audio we have. How emotional he is is why he's so good. You want to play some of that now? Sure. Um, because we have a lot of stats to look at, but we've been doing this, and you know what Lucas says. It's stats and stuff. There's lots of stats and things and stats. And a little bit too much stats, you know. A little bit too much stats, you know. Right. Um, okay, what's the audio? So we can refer to a lot of this stuff, because, but at the age of 21, he's... Uh, number one or very near the top in like everything, mm-hmm. in like everything. And there's only a, a couple of other guys you can even compare uh, by this age. 
and they're like Magic Johnson or LeBron or Oscar Robertson or some, you know, like awesome, awesome NBA Hall of Fame, not borderline good players or something, the best of the best that the NBA has ever had, those are the names that you're throwing around that he's mingling with right now. Right. It's incredible. Yes, and when I hear about somebody like this, an athlete of of this stature, somebody that is almost like magical, <laughs> and we don't know that much about him, essentially, we, we really don't. And, and he's an athlete like we don't have in Dallas too often to where you almost feel like you can't even ask to interview him because he's too big. He's too big of a superstar. He's getting so many media requests. I don't want to bog him down. I know there's a million. So we're just going to wait and wait and wait till we can like sit down with him and have a really good interview. Because I know that's something obviously a lot of us here would really love to do. But what I wanted to do was just kind of go back to, okay, who has spoken that knows him the best? And I remembered that his mom had done an interview just recently with WFAA. It was Jonah Javad who did a really good job with the story. And I went back and listened to some of her audio, and I just thought it was interesting hearing her perspective, hearing about what he was like as a child. And um, we have that here that we can play a little bit of. He was uh, he was naughty sometimes. What did he do? But give, me he was, give me an example. What would he do? He was just so energized. He didn't sit for a minute. Oh, he did, yeah. Saturdays. So if you pause it if, there. So... She was talking about, obviously, him as a kid and how he never sat down. And then he asked, did he do chores? And she said, oh, yes, he did chores on Saturday. Oh, okay. I thought she yeah. said second base. I thought they were talking about something different. But go ahead. Did he get to second base? No. Um, I, I Again, I, I just heard her say something, and I thought she said second base. And then, yes, my mind did go to, what was the question? Yeah, uh, that's what I was I was. I had a little pause in there um, just to say that, yes, he asked, did he do, did do he chores? Did he do chores? Yes, okay. on Saturdays. Oh, he did, yeah. Saturdays. Okay. Now I, now can, I hear I it. I can see it. Once she says it's Saturdays, now I hear it. Yeah. If I said, okay, if you will clean your room, you can go to the practice. He did clean his room. But because it was connected to the practice. He had to always threaten basket, taking the basketball away. Yeah. And I knew you? he's going to do it for sure. <laughs> pause it there a little bit but i just thought that was interesting too so back when he was a young child the only thing that's driving him whether it's to behave at school right we hold the phone now right you want to keep that phone tonight you'll clean your room yes uh so that's why my kids are where they are and luca is a world-class basketball player because uh, his mom withheld basketball Right. If he's not, if he doesn't have his room clean, you can't even go to practice. There was no. He's it, dying it to go to practice. Yeah, it wasn't about a phone or whatever it was, but that's just how much it was driving him then. And I think that this next um, part. Well, let's pick it up there. What do you want to tease ahead? We'll play this next. So, this is a little bit more about his family life and um, maybe why he is the way he is based on the things he went through as a child. All right. Coming up next. Would she be impressed if Coach Switzer showed her around? Probably not. She wouldn't care. All right. How's that pizza, Dan? I believe it is full of gluten because it tastes fantastic. Uh, Corby and Bob will tell us 
if uh, they want to promote this pizza that is in studio or whatnot, okay. right? But yeah. I, I think it's there's gluten like pouring off of it. Like gluten I picked it up, and pizza. gluten was dripping on the ground. So I'm not sure that you should be eating I'm this going pizza. To stay far away. Uh, let's get back to Luca. It is his 21st birthday. Yeah. We're marveling about Luca, all the stats, all the greatness, and uh, Julie cut up some audio. I did, and we were just talking about the interview that his mom Miriam did with WFAA, Jonah Javad, and um, I took a little bit of that audio because I liked it, but basically what we're about to hear now is Luca's mom Miriam being asked about the fact that she and Luca's dad got divorced when he was young, which obviously happens a lot, like both of us, right, Dan? Yeah? Broken homes. Look at us now. That's right. We're a mess. We're a mess. Look at us now. Um, oh. and this is, yeah, this is what she had to say about that situation and, and kind of how Luca grew from it. Maybe basketball, because it was hard for him, of course. Like for every kid, I tried to do as much easy as it's possible, but it's hard. So maybe this is also the reason that he is so good in basketball. Made him One of them. Yeah, make him grow up maybe a little bit more. Okay. So, I don't know if I buy that. But, just a little bit of insight. You don't buy it? Uh, I'm not good at basketball. But that's not what she's saying. She's not saying it made him good at basketball. It helped his drive and maybe gave him something to focus on when all this other stuff in his life was going off course. Yeah, maybe. So I'm always interested by that. Like Malcolm Gladwell had a book. I think it was Malcolm Gladwell. I don't remember what it's called, but it had something to do with all these people who were ultra successful. Look at all the hardship they had, too. Um, and it's obviously he's focusing on that. Could he have written a book about all these people who are ultra successful who came from two parent homes and, and were rich and had, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. does it mean you had to have hardships to overcome to then be able to overcome uh, the world once you right. got out in the world, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and we don't have to claim but, that. But you we have always try to, to no matter who, yeah. but whoever, if you're successful, we'll just look at your life and go, well, maybe this is part of the reason why he's successful. Maybe, and maybe it didn't have any. Who knows? True. If they were from a totally happy home, would he be a better basketball player? We don't know. We can just surmise. Oh, maybe going through these tough times as a kid helped, uh, you know, callous him up to right. uh, go through these. Uh, tribulations he's going through as an adult. I don't know. I just know that I believe Miriam. Okay. She's very believable. This is like so- uh, my other co-host, generally, <laughs> with the J. He's uh, he's a big fan of Luca's mom. He is, and I am too. And this right here is just going to be about her talking about the fact that he left Slovenia to play for Real Madrid Youth Academy when he was 13. So a mom had to let her... 13-year-old boy go off far away to follow his dream, and this is what she's talking about here. It was crazy hard. I even cannot explain how hard this was. I was crying. I was there every weekend. In the beginning, honestly, I said, Luca, you have time. You are really good. You have time. You can go later. And he looked at me and said, Mom, I want to try. I just saw him happy. He was so happy. I was never thinking about this. Oh my God, he can play in NBA. I didn't even know. We are really close. So he wants to have family there. So so they've transitioned there to where he is now going into the NBA, and she hadn't even thought about that yet. She wasn't thinking 
oh, when is he going to enter the draft and where is he going to go? And Only only six years prior, she was crying because he was a 13-year-old yes. leaving. Yes, exactly. And, um, and now he's getting drafted to go overseas. Yes, really far away. And this is where she's talking about kind of what brought her to Dallas and, and where things stand now with her moving to Dallas. Maybe for me, because I didn't have friends. When I came there, I was alone. I was living alone because I didn't live with Luca. But in time, she did make friends, and she believes Dallas could be her and Luca's first, last, and only stop in the NBA. Honestly, pretty sure it's going to be a long term. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He feels great there, so he wants to stay for sure. Okay, so that part... Yeah, that's something we're all... It's somewhere in the back, back, back of our mind, like... LeBron yes. left Cleveland. Right. Guys move town to town these days more than ever, it seems. Are we going to lose Luca? Because he wants L.A. He wants New York. He wants... Exactly. And that part, like, just kind of gave me the chills when I heard it the first time. His mom saying, he loves it here. He wants to stay here. I think he wants to stay here for his whole career. She moved here to be with him because they're really close. They don't live together because I believe he lives with his girlfriend, which, if I was following my son, I'd probably demand like get an extra room and live in his house. But I'm an overbearing helicopter mom, yeah. perhaps. But um, but yeah, I mean. In but if your son could afford to buy you your own house, you might just go, okay, that's true, cool too. True. I can't even fathom that. Yeah. So that's why I can't relate to her situation. But but yeah, she talks about how she didn't have friends at first here in Dallas. Now well, then does. I I got to thinking about Jim Carrey and Liar Liar. Do you remember that? A little bit. When the uh, large-chested lady walked into the uh, elevator and and said, "Oh, this first day at work, everybody's been so nice to me," and he said, "Yeah, it's because you got really big jugs," and uh, then she slapped him or gave him a black eye or something like that. But so she's like, "Wow, everybody in Dallas is just so nice to me." But they and don't it's not because she she's is. hot. I mean, she is hot, but I'm sure when she's introduced, she's introduced as Luca's mom. Well, they and, just uh, say the last oh. name and like, "Oh, yes." Wow. Yes. So you don't think people in Dallas are just nice in general? Uh, not as nice as if I was Luca's mom. Let's just say I'm walking down the street, yeah. and and you introduce me to somebody, and you say, uh, this is Dan McDowell. Now, the exact same scenario, the weather's the same, everything. You're walking down the street with Luca's mom, and you introduce Luca's mom, and you say, this is uh, so-and-so Luca's mom. They're going to be, whoa, hey! Right. Great to uh, Please come in. You didn't pay. You didn't pay for a meal. That's silly. Why would you pay for a meal? Hopefully you and Luca will come back here. And uh, So come on, Julie. Well, Let's just not be so naive. Am I wrong? You could risk of people just wanting to be your friend because you are Luca's mom and not wanting to be your real friend. So I don't think it's as easy as, easy as you make it sound. But yes, she probably gets introduced to many people and people want like to Like Mark Cuban is so nice, nice to me. <laughs> right. I can't believe it. Right. Um, so anyway, that's all of that audio from her. I just thought it was a, an interesting kind of no, it's awesome piece of insight into who he is and and maybe what he went through in his childhood, and then just the the best part, her saying that they both love it here. He wants to be here. He did say um, because he's celebrating his twenty first birthday, he will be in Miami tonight, and he was talking about. I think someone asked him, are you glad to be a part of Dal the Dallas Mavericks and living in Dallas when you turn 21? And he did say, 
well, it's not the best place in the world for me to be. I'd rather be in, in Spain. He, he didn't say Dallas was his favorite place that he's ever lived, but he likes it here. And um, we'll see, obviously, what's going to happen tonight. He is questionable for the game, it sounds like, with the thumb hand injury. So you'd have to think that he's going to get out there and play, and it's going to be a big uh, Slovenia mania tonight in Miami as well. Um, so all of that being said. Yeah, wasn't somebody saying there's 2,500 people, Slovenians, that are going to be at the game tonight for some reason? Yes, because Dragic okay. um, and Luca are going head-to-head last time. Slovenia they- mania. Yes. So there's all kinds of storylines for tonight's game. Hopefully Luca will play. But just the fact that he is turning 21 prompted us all to talk about and think about turning 21 and how big of a deal that is. He said that he's only going to go to dinner. He's not going to do anything crazy because in Spain, when you turn 18, that's the big deal. It's not 21. So he's already been there, done that in a way. But I think for us, when we all turned 21, it was a big deal. So first of all, how old were you when you turned 21? I was 20, 20, and then I was 21. Okay, so you're almost 21, and then you turn 21. Mm-hmm. What did you do? How did you celebrate? Sweet, clean, innocent Julie Dobbs, yeah. who we all know so well. So, Were I'm, you in Austin? Because I'm not Oh, proud. no, you went to college in uh, Missouri. I did, and my birthday's in the summer, so I wasn't actually there like on my 21st birthday, but when we came back, we did my 21st birthday celebration. Okay, so on your 21st birthday was not that crazy. Right. It wasn't. We probably just Because it was at home. Yeah. You're listening to Garth Brooks. I was just listening to Garth And Taylor Brooks. Swift, hoping she would never uh, leave country music. Pretty much, yes. Okay. It was probably a country music Saturday, and I was just enjoying myself and not causing any trouble. But when we, and, and I was explaining this to you guys, and I feel like this might be something that is a Midwest thing, because I know a lot of my girlfriends that went to school in, in Texas didn't necessarily do this. And I'm not proud of it right now, but we made shot books when we turned 21. And so this was like a scrapbook, in a way, of, of you and you found 21 friends, assuming you had them, or if you didn't have 21 friends, you could double up a couple and say, hey, will you make me two pages of this shot book? And it's like a scrapbook that they make for you. And then you go out with this book and all of your friends, and it's like your night. And then you go from bar to bar to bar to bar. And I was in Columbia, Missouri at this time. This was once we went back to school. And you take 21 shots. And you write them down throughout the night. You write down what time you take it and what shot it was. And then you do your autograph so you can watch your autograph or your signature, whatever you want to call it. Deteriorate throughout the night? You can see it deteriorate throughout the night. I don't recommend doing this. Was it whiskey or Um, vodka? or It just feels like 21 shots for someone of your size. I know. I was... Would be alcohol poisoning Thank type Thank uh, level drinking. So I texted my friends this morning that we all did this because I was I was I literally wrote down all of the shots. I didn't bring in my book because it was too incriminating. Oh, and I know you, and I don't trust you with that. What? And with that information, but I texted all my friends, and I that's ridiculous. I said, "How the heck did we not die?" <laughs> like it was kind of silly, but I like. So it to- wasn't like a shot of wine. So do you want to read them off? Okay. I don't want to read them off because I don't want them to be used against me someday. 
But I so don't really care about you doing it. You took a picture of this. So you see the list of the shots and what time. You don't need to say what time because that makes it worse. Because it started at 9.04 uh-huh. and it ended at 12.45. Yep. You never made it to 1 a.m. So four hours, 21 shots. Yes. Vodka F-bomb, 007, red-headed slut. I can't say the next one. It's a, the initials would be B and J. Uh-huh. Jaeger bomb, red, another red-headed slut, sex on the beach. I seem to remember that as being some kind of just fruity drink. Tequila, crown and peach, Georgia peach, oatmeal cookie. That's the name of a drink. Mm-hmm. Kamikaze, buttery nipple. Yeah, you should really le- read these. Soco lime, lake water, although it's spelled wrong. Is this because you were drunk or did you recently type this? I typed it this morning. I was not drunk when I typed it. Are you sure? Yeah, I was probably just debriefing. Soco lime, dirty Girl Scout. <laughs> There's a lot of R's in that. Jaeger bomb, and you ended with a starburst. Was shot twenty one. What time was that? Which also sounds pretty fruity and not as uh, hardcore as yes. uh, maybe. So a couple of these are on the lighter side. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. They weren't all full blown. Like it wasn't twenty one tequila shots. Because that wouldn't work out well. You got to at least take a screenshot or let me look at the book a little bit. I took a, a couple photos of it, but um, I don't. Know I, if people I will do not. That now I think now we should just focus on other things like eating twenty one slices of pizza or something like now that. Now that you're the mom of children, yes, you're thinking, wouldn't that be more fun when you're twenty one? Yes, I don't. Recommend so you're old. Doing you've that. lost your edge. I completely have lost my edge. I might could have like three glasses of wine at this point in my life, and that's about it. I don't know how we ever did that, but I know that turning twenty one for me was a big deal. What did you do? Or should we talk about that when we come back? Uh, yeah, okay, we'll do that on the ticket. All right, here's what we want to do in this segment. We want to uh, go to the phones. We would like to roll screenless, but we have a 45-second delay, so it takes 45 seconds at the very very minimum from after I first say that to uh, when people will actually hear it and start talking. It's weird. It's uh, time travel, actually. What you are hearing, it's like looking at a faraway, distant planet. You're actually not seeing it then. You're seeing it from years ago once mm. it finally gets to your eyes. So if you run fast enough right now, you can get down to your car and hear yourself. So we want to take some phone calls at 888-787-1310. If indeed, uh... He's evil. No, that was good, Killer. He's evil. Who? Killer? You. You're evil for laying out on Killer. It's true. We're just not running to our cars right now. I feel like you're co-hosting today, and I didn't hear you say anything, Mr. I'm so nice. I'm not going uh, so nice to ruin your layout. He's the evil guy. And I only get it in here every once in a while. I will obey your rules and your signals of... Oh, come on. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Julie. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Julie, sweet little non-evil innocent Julie, just informed us she drank twenty-one shots. Yeah. On her twenty-first birthday, which seems pretty wild. And nothing crazy came out of it. Like I went home and went to sleep. It wasn't anything bad. Did you get sick? 
Keep it all I down? It, I'm more of a get sick the next day kind of gal. I usually make it through the night okay. Did you wash it down with some, or did you uh, soak up the alcohol with some bread? You ever use that trick? Yeah. I can't do that anymore. Like, is that I fake? I feel like that was a myth that we all believed would work and we would eat a piece of you bread. You definitely have to eat food while drinking. If you go in on an empty stomach, that's bad news. Again, is that fake? What if you do? We always win. What happens? It seems like the ba- you get a bad hangover if you don't eat. Yeah. And then do you drink pickle juice the next morning to clear that up? Have you heard that? I haven't tried that. I haven't tried that either. Does that, that was work? Our, I don't know. It was just our wives' tale that just drink some pickle juice. Now people have... Companies that come and give you an IV, like at your house, if you're really bad. We That's always, a thing. How do you know that? <laughs> I haven't done it, but I've heard of people that have had to do that. We had Pedialyte in the fridge all the time, for, especially when we were about to have a party. We had, who, who do you call to get an IV? There's companies. That sounds awesome. I know. They like travel to your house in a little... I don't know, some sort of... A little mobile? A little, some sort of IV mobile, and they <laughs> hook you up and help you get through the day. Um. So do you guys have crazy stories? All I did was we had a bottle of Mezcal because we lived in Mexico at the time oh. with the student exchange thing, and I turned 21 there. And the theory was, so Mezcal is like Toledo, or Toledo, like tequila from what I understand, but it's harsher and maybe it's Mexican tequila. I, I don't know, but it's called Mezcal, and it has the worm at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And the theory was, if you get to the worm and eat the worm, it's hallucinogenic. So you'll you'll trip if you get to the worm and eat the worm. We didn't get there. I I don't remember what happened. I don't know where the the bottle went the next okay. day. So you've never. But it was my goal to get to that worm and eat that worm. You never have. No. Hmm. And I wondered, <laughs> I wondered if you'd be able to uh, feel the effects of something hallucinogenic if you had drank a whole bottle of mezcal anyway. Right. I doubted that. That's interesting. I wonder if the worm really works. Uh, well, maybe we'll find out as we go to the phones. Unless Mino has an awesome story. You turned 21 a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, a couple days ago, so I'm I'm older than Luca. No, I, I was pretty lame in college. I didn't venture down the road of alcoholism until I started working here. <laughs> but I had a football game that day, so that was that was cool, I guess. A college football yeah. game? Yeah, you played my, college football? Yeah, I scored my first and only touchdown on my 21st birthday. Really? So that's how Who did I you play college football for? A small school called Ottawa University in Ottawa, Kansas. Why don't Undergrad we know that? Of 450. Really? Yeah. And did you small. go there only because you had a chance to play football? Yeah, I went there kind of last minute. I was going to go to UNT. I was going to walk on... But Ottawa offered me partial scholarship pretty much last minute. So I said, screw it. I'll go there. I'll see how I like it. I'll probably be back in a semester. And then I stayed there for five years. Really? Yeah. It was Who weird. Who would have thought? So that's a D1 school? No, no, no. They're NAIA. So they're they're not even NCAA. Okay, I didn't know they could even. They're super small. I didn't know they could give any scholarship money at all at those that level. NAIA can Division Three doesn't give athletic scholarships. They can only do academic. Yeah, I got a little bit. I, I was okay. I was under the impression your career ended in high school football. It basically Getting did. I was I was a backup. Beasley. Now we we beat him. 
I I stood on the sidelines as we watched our team beat Little Elm and Little Cole, Little Big Cole, the little man at the helm of the in the boat of the <laughs> football team. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you played football in college because we're better friends. We are, and Ottawa is the tiny, tiny town where my mom was born. So it's that's a fun fact. A complete coincidence. On uh, March twelfth. Look the at day us, of our movie. Connecting the dots. It all comes full circle. Killer, where'd you turn 21? At a Bennigan's uh, in Arlington. That's perfect. <laughs> is that is, is there a little plaque or anything on the front of that now? No, it's the no place where Killer there. turned it's 21. Oh. It's been torn down. Is Bennigan's still a thing? I don't think so. Mm. I think they're all gone. Mm. Yeah, just a couple beers and a margarita at Bennigan's. I Russell Scott, really how old are you? How old am I? I'm old. 59. 59. So when you turned 21, that was already a couple nice. years after you were allowed to drink, nice. right? Uh, yes, yes. Back then, it you was. were. it was yep. 18? Yep. 19? It was. It was. 18. I was in college. Uh, where'd you go? I went to what is now Texas State University. It was Southwest Texas State back then. Mm-hmm. Is that where Jake went? Yeah, Alexis, Texas. Yeah. You know who Lexus Texas is, Russell? No. Oh, you should Google. Okay. Yeah, Google that. Uh, not at work. Not, yeah, not on that computer. Once <laughs> <laughs> you get home. Once you get home. Uh, so it wasn't a monumental day for you. Turning twenty-one nine. Or to finally be finally to be able to drink. No. Eighteen was big when I turned eighteen. <laughs> uh, and when I was in Mexico, I remember our little uh, brothers and whatnot in the house. Uh, that's what we would call our, you know, the people we lived with. We'd refer to them as Mama and Papa, and and we had brothers as well. Uh, they all thought it was silly that we thought it was a big deal to turn twenty one because they didn't really even have a drinking age. I think they kind of did, yeah, but it was more enforced by mom and dad. I think that's how most of the rules are. Like and, I think they have that rule, but it doesn't really. Matter. But when they turned twenty one, they didn't go ape s and just get blotto. Because it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. So we always wondered about that socially. If we don't even have a drinking age, by putting a drinking age there, it makes it wrong and makes us want to do it more. Yep. And then once you're able to, it's not as big of a deal. So if we were to take that restriction off, would there be as much teen drinking? Yeah. Well, and it's kind of the same idea with being a really strict parent who like never lets you drink before you go to college or whatever, and then you go to college and just go insane because you've never been able to do yeah, it Yeah, that's a weird deal for me, too. I don't want to promote it like, hey, you should be, you right. have to drink as being an adult, you need to drink. I always thought it was weird on yeah, New Year's Eve to give your kid, medium. like, grape juice Yeah, and say, look, I, I know you have to start drinking uh, champagne once you're older, so here, I'm going to warm you up with this. It's like a candy cigarette to me. Yeah. But, yes, like you're saying, but now do I want to just throw them in that water? The people that I saw that really went nuts, and it wasn't me. I know it sounds like it could have been me in college, but it wasn't me. Um, the people that I knew that did, like, had so many, and not just drinking, but, like, their parents were really, really overprotective of them, and then they kind of went. And off. they were the most nuts in college. Yes, they Damn. went off the grid. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to do some placebo heroin tonight with great. my daughter. No, no. We'll, we'll... I think you're doing great. You've got a nice balance going. Well, we'll see. Uh, all right, let's go to the phones. 214-787-1310. It's time to roll screenless with Julie Dobbs here in studio. Hi, you're on the ticket with Julie. Go ahead. Hey, Julie. Hey, hey. Um, 
my daughter and Dan, uh, there's a connection here for both. My daughter's about to turn 21. She's also in Columbia, Missouri. Um, she's also a Chi Omega journalism student. Her birthday, Dan, is March 3rd. So she'll be 21, turning 21. I don't know about the shot book, but she has told me they do go out and now use a Sharpie basically to mark their arm. Every time they take a shot, they do the Sharpie mark up the arm to see how far they get. That seems a lot easier than doing a big old scrapbook. Hi, you're on the ticket with Julie. Go ahead. Good story. Hey, this is Terry, man. I was talking, yeah, y'all talking about 21st birthdays, right? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, oh, well, I was just going to say, I turned 21 in prison. That's how I spent my 21st birthday. In prison? Yes, sir. Yes, did, did they let yes. you party a lot when, when you turned 21, or? Oh, no, oh, no, not at all. Didn't get party at all. Are you Merle Haggard? <laughs> no, but ironically, I wasn't long before I got locked up. I was gone for about two weeks. Yeah. Now they don't. They don't. They don't celebrate with a nice, uh, with a nice prison rape, do they? Oh hell no! no okay. Sir. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. Last I didn't hear what he said. Other twenty-one now. shots. Uh, hi, you're on the. T- <laughs> hi, you're on the ticket. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, Dan. Yeah. Where, where did Bob go? Hi, you're on the ticket with Julie. Go ahead. Hey, I've got a an interesting story when you're talking about the uh, the fact that when someone is like depressed when they're younger, um, I went in the uh, military and I spent a lot of time up in Canada where the drinking age was 18 and 19, depending if you're in Quebec or Ottawa. And um, all those kids were really, really responsible when they were younger, and um, they took cabs and it was. Wait, Julie like sent me a. Julie just handed me a note. Wait, let me read. Oh, she wants me to say when is the uh, interesting story? It's not true. Oh, well, this is the interesting story. It just, it- Hi, you're on the ticket with Julie. Go ahead. Hey guys, P. One Minnow here. First of all, I'd like to say I like the new show. I like the new lineup. Miss Bob, but for the second time that I remember, you and Julie have hosted the show, and I think she's done a great job. And look forward to her help hosting over the holidays on vacations. I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Sound a little bit like a uh, skin lining, right? A little bit? Hi, you're on the ticket. Hey, Julie, where'd you go to college? Hi, you're on the ticket with Julie. Go ahead. Julie, have you ever caught a cod? Hi, you're on the ticket with Julie Dobbs. Go ahead. Yeah, I actually have caught hi. a cod. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so, go ahead. Uh, is, there, is there any truth to the rumor that Jake's contract is having a problem right now and Dan, can you change your name to Victor, and then you could call it... Uh, Hi, you're on the ticket with Julie. Go ahead. <laughs> it's Michael Irvin. I've never talked to Julie before. Yeah, go I ahead. Do I, I, I've been listening. Hey, Julie, I, I just got to know, what's your interest level in, in, in meeting up with the playmaker later tonight? What do you guys think? Huh? Not bad. But I don't know. know. Very uh, we Very always like to end with one more. Hi, you are on the ticket. Go ahead. What's your question for Julie? Go ahead. Uh, Julie, 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 we live in the same neighborhood, and I was wondering if you were familiar with Bad Radio Talks, Mark Cuban. All right, coming up on 2 o'clock like here. Trump? 
<laughs> kind of, yeah, or no, like uh, like football refs. Mar- little Marco. Like little tiny hands? Right. Joe Burrow has tiny hand? For a big dude, he's got tiny hand. What'd you say, Russell? Tiniest Nine, since what? Tiniest since 2008. Tannenbaum and uh, somebody else. Tannehill? Who? Tannehill. <laughs> what did I say? Tenenbaum. Like what's the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, Joe Burrow has smaller hands than Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray is four foot eight. <laughs> yeah. They have uh, about so he can't five really or six the ball. inches. <laughs> five or six. Yeah, he's like the the character on SNL. What's uh, uh the lady. Yeah, what's her name? Kristen Wig. Kristen Wig with little tiny hands, yeah. All he's right. got little hands. This That's is, a segment tomorrow. This is when you know it's draft season, buddy, when we start freaking out about a dude who just absolutely the eviscerated college since 2008. football, but we're worried about his hand size. All right. Uh, yes. That's Here in great. 15 minutes, one of the biggest stories of the weekend. We're going to do fight talk tomorrow because, yes, I did watch fight. Um, but 15 minutes from now, we got to get into the uh, emergency goalie story from over the weekend. But Mavericks had a game Saturday night. Um, I went back and watched a little condensed game type action of this because we were ticket stocking. And let's just start with the fact that it's a road back-to-back. You probably assume Porzingis isn't playing, regardless of the fact that they just came off the All-Star break. Porzingis is not playing back-to-backs going forward. Uh, it's just, there's no sense in risking it. Was a little surprised Luca wasn't there after the long break, even though it is a back-to-back, because he was good enough to play before the break. And that game against the Kings where him and KP went off. Uh, so I'm at least mild level of concern over the fact that he's still nursing an ankle injury that appears to be nagging to a certain extent. But maybe it's the same thing. They're just being precautious and saying, this guy's still working back from an injury. We don't want him playing. We don't want him playing in a back-to-back. So they're down those two. Yeah, if you want to be extra cautious with your your diamond, right? I have trouble trying to muster up the uh, the anger to to bag on him for that. It's not so much anger for me as much as it is um, being concerned mildly again about the future. Like, okay, is this, how lingering is this? Is this where he misses another week in a month? But we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, Willie Cauley Stein was out of the game for personal reasons. Don't know that you can really count on that guy night in, night out, and there's a reason why, despite being a very high draft pick, he's bounced around to the degree that he has. When he's played, he's been okay. So they're down those three guys. This is the first possession of the game, and Jalen Brunson gets KO'd. (laughs) Just absolutely knocked out on a drive, right? Uh, Ten seconds in, and that's another thing Cuban's upset about before we get to some of this other stuff, is they didn't there's not been any talk of suspension for that. I think it was Dwayne Dedman who just clubbed him. Um, so they're now down four players, and ultimately they end up blowing a 16-point lead late in the game and losing to the Hawks and uh, Trey Young, who had 25 points on 10 of sh- uh, 21 shooting, 111-107 on the road. But the story coming out of this game was more about the officials. And it kind of feels like we were talking about in the mix that it's been a while since we've been in this mode where we're talking about Cuban and his takes on the officials, which for a long time it seemed like that's all we were talking about. Which play do you want to start with? 
Uh, isn't the big one the, the goaltending? The goaltending is the big one, so I'll go to the one before that, since it's a smaller one. Okay. With a minute 17 seconds left, um, there is a clear kick ball by DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright intentionally kicked the ball. At this point, it's Mavericks 104, Hawks 105. Possession starts with uh, one minute. The rebound's at about one minute and 16 seconds, and DeLon kicks the ball trying to get a, a, a stoppage. And instead, they let the play go, and they call a foul on Maxi, which was his sixth, so he's now fouled out. So he kicked the ball trying to make it stop. It looked like okay. it. It looked like it was pretty clear, and even Maxi, after they blow the whistle, is doing the kicking motion, pointing at DeLon like that ball went off his foot. So now Maxi's fouled out for a team that was already down, Cauley Stein, Brunson, Luca, KP, and of course they're without Powell all year. Uh, the last two-minute report on this says they didn't miss a call, but it's obvious that it hit his foot. Um, so that one, not as big as the one that came uh, a minute later, but still a pretty big deal because it cost him Kleba. Uh, whenever they were already down four guys. So what we have here is at 109-107, Hawks up on the Mavericks uh, with about 12 seconds left. Trey Young has the ball, and uh, shot clock is down. As the shot clock is expiring, Trey Young goes. It is Young, right? Yeah, I think Young goes to the rim, <coughs> and it looks like there is a clean block, but what we got is a goaltend called, Right? Goaltend called, but the whistle blows whenever they call the goaltend, and John Collins, Hawks big man, gets the ball off of the rim because the ball did hit the rim after Finney Smith blocked it. He takes the ball and goes right back up and finishes. So I can tell you conclusively, I've never seen in my life what followed, which was they reviewed the play Ruled it a clean block. Ruled that after the block, the ball hit the rim, so now the shot clock is resetting. And that because Collins got the rebound and went right back up, his continuation uh, with uh, the clock expiring gave him a good bucket. So even though they blew the whistle, the fact that Collins had already started to go back up, they gave him a continuation for a play that would have never existed had it actually been a goaltend, which is what they called on the it. floor. It's kind of like an NFL thing if they blow the whistle and call, call things dead when somebody had fumbled. Yes. But if somebody picked it up and then ran it in for a touchdown, they would, they would then say, it's a dead ball because we blew the whistle, it was dead. Sorry, you would have got it, but here, you get possession because you, you got the fumble, Right. Right. Like, so, you think the rule is that they should have got, they should have just said, oh, okay, our bad was not a goaltend. Let's take those points away that we were giving for the goaltend. And now, since the whistle was blown, what do we do? And nobody had possession, it's a, it's a jump ball, right? Exactly. They would have jumped with just That's under 10 seconds left to play. But the refs cited, they interpreted the rules as differently? And that's what Cuban was up in arms about, and that's why the Mavs have actually filed a protest against this? Yes, filed a protest, which apparently a team has to play t uh, pay $10,000 for. Um, and the, the, the rule book, if you get down into it, I actually find to be more confusing when you actually read the rule book because it's written like a legal document, because I guess it is. 
But that makes absolutely no sense. Goaltending was called and the whistle blew. Guys, stop playing. Just because the basket is good after that, that that it's like an alternate well, it's just universe. Like, well, yeah, when you go into when you go to the replay booth, you go to that point in time, and that's where it all stops, right? Right. Like nothing else could happen. Like we have to restart from this point in time. And the point in time was when he blocked the shot. You called it a goaltend. Therefore, no matter what happened afterwards, doesn't count because it was called a goaltend and two points were awarded. Right. But we've now gone back to that point in time, determined you got it wrong. So now let's go back to this point in time. Who has the ball when you block the shot? No one, right? The ball's up in the air. So now we'll do a jump ball. So this is almost, it's not as much as Des catch, but like if they, the Mavs were losing. There's no guarantee they win this game. No, but they would have been getting the ball back. They coughed up down. a big lead too, right? Yeah, yeah. They were up 16. And again, I think a huge part of that was that it is a road back-to-back and they were down four and then ultimately five guys when Maxi was given a foul call that should never have actually been able to uh, exist. Um, so yes, they did blow a big lead, but... And and it's also insane to imagine that they're going to fly back to Atlanta and play out a jump ball, which ultimately the Hawks could just get and end the game. Well, this is interesting, <laughs> though. So I'm reading about a protest because I just thought it's just silly to protest a game because what does that really mean? Like, we've seen it in Major League Baseball, right? Um, and, it, and it means nothing. But in the NBA, 35 protests have been filed in 73 years. And three have been upheld. 1978, 1982, so you might be thinking, ah, well, that's just something they used to kind of do occasionally. Mm -hmm. 2007. Didn't realize. Don't have the specifics on it, but it says the Heat won a protest in a game against Atlanta. And they replayed the final 51.9 seconds. Yeah, that's the first I'd heard about that this weekend, too. Um, but I think it was... In 1978, they replayed the final 1750 of a game. And in 1982, they actually got back together and played the final three seconds again against in a Spurs versus Lakers game. So regarding the Hawks-Heat one, I'm seeing here that what happened is with 51.9 seconds left in their game, the official score actually incorrectly ruled Shaq as fouled out. And after the game, they realized, like... He only had he had five. He only had five, and so they played. They so replayed they allowed the game to, like a month later, and they still lost. the The result was the same, I think. Yeah, yeah, but still. So maybe they'll go to Atlanta and play and play ten seconds of a game. Is it going to be the same roster? Could they activate Luca and Chris Stapps for that? 10 oh, I seconds? would bet not. I would bet not. And again, it's a jump Could ball. Could they sell tickets just for ten seconds of a game? It's a, it's also a jump ball with no Maxi because he's will be ruled fouled out. No KP, no Willie Cauley Steins. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna have Dodo go take a jump ball with nine seconds left. They don't get it, and now the game's over. It just seems cartoonish. But they might have a leg to stand on, though. They might. That rule was interpreted incorrectly, and there's like something in the NBA. Apparently, you must know more about this. Called like a last two minutes report, which yeah. where the refs will, or the league will review refs in any close games. I think this was the closest game, the only one on the slate that would even warrant that. But I, I suppose 
because the game was under protest, they did not issue their findings in the let. La- they'll tell you like if the ref screwed something up or not in the last two minutes of these close games. Is that right? Yeah, Do I have that right. Yeah, it's very always very frustrating because <laughs> it just feels like insult to injury, especially when you're watching the game live and you're like, that's very obvious. And then your team loses and they don't, uh, you know, they tell you the next day, sorry, I uh, punched you in the face. I wish I hadn't done that. And it might not be that big of a deal, but the Mavericks are in the seventh seed right now, and they're one game back from Oklahoma City for sixth and a game and a half back from Utah for fifth. And all that really matters in the Western Conference is finding a way to avoid the Lakers or Clippers. So, to be determined. Bad Radio Talks, Wilder v. Fury. For the next couple segments, I want to talk about Saturday night's fight. I want to talk about Tyson Fury and just my general obsession although I'm certainly way late to this party, uh, with this guy's entire story. So you did not watch the fight, correct? That is correct. I saw little clips like him licking blood off. Yes, we will get to that. His guy. Um, Now, which one? Tyson Fury was not the... We were talking about it at Ticketstock. Donovan's really into... Or he's more into boxing than anyone I know here. Right. Uh, One of the guys was like, 40 and 1, or that was the other guy, right? Correct. Had never fought anybody of note, and he finally fights somebody of note, and he gets demolished. Like, by all accounts, he got demolished. Deontay Wilder is a knockout artist, and in their last fight, you know, it was scored a draw. I think Donovan included. Most people thought that Tyson Fury won that fight. And just to clear this up, um, I know June's did it on Ticket Stock Saturday. His name is Tyson Fury. Tyson Luke Fury. His real name. Yes. His father named him after Mike Tyson. But his real last name is Fury. And he's an Irish traveler, which is something that I got really interested in a couple years ago uh, living in West Fort Worth because they have a pretty prominent community, uh, community and have for years in West Fort Worth. And if you've seen the movie Snatch... Or uh, to, I don't know that they're necessarily Irish in Peaky Blinders, but the Irish travelers, you know, people that travel in caravans are, they have a long standing history in, in this area, and in particularly in Tarrant County. And they're oftentimes negatively associated with things like insurance fraud, or, you know, I was telling you guys the other day about. Uh, I believe the Fort Worth Police Department. Not, not the positively associated with inter- insurance fraud? I'm like they're say- stopping it? I guess I'm just saying that when you hear Irish traveler, it doesn't usually mean anything good. And I don't know that that's necessarily true. It's just that they tend to only make the news as people that are kind of... Like grifters? Grifters, yeah. And the other thing that is associated with being an Irish traveler is bare-knuckle boxing. And if you've never seen little short, I think Vice has put a couple of them out, uh, little documentaries about in the, you know, in the UK and in parts of 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 Europe in these caravans, these dudes fight, and they fight early from like five, six, seven years old on, and they do not box with gloves. They're not in a golden gloves gym. They bare knuckle fight, and his moniker of the Gypsy King is. A uh, that's a common title in a caravan of like the baddest dude at the bare at bare knuckle boxing in their caravan, which could be you know a couple hundred people. He's a uh, distant relative of some very famous bare knuckle uh, brawlers from uh, 
You know, back in like the 20s and 30s and 40s, Uriah Burton and Bartley Gorman, both considered kings of the gypsies. I believe his wife, Paris Fury, uh, who he met when he was 16 years old, her father and grandfather and great-grandfathers were all gypsy kings. Like he married one of, uh, you know, into the bloodline again of one of the like baddest fighting families in this, in this bloodline. And it's a wild thing to consider because it makes you wonder why someone like that isn't the heavyweight champion of the world all the time because they just, is what they're born to do. But ultimately, I guess once you get to the heavyweight level, the highest levels is a lot more skill and technique involved in it than just being willing to go out behind a barn and brawl with somebody and scrap. But um, before we get to the fight specifically, maybe a little bit more in the next segment, uh, this dude has had a wild ride, uh, including having to vacate at least one of his titles a few years ago because he was failing drug tests. He was battling alcoholism. He was battling a cocaine addiction. He was battling depression. Okay, not steroid tests. No, he was uh, suicidal. He told Joe Rogan, that he was at one point driving, I think, like a Ferrari, 160 miles headed to the edge of a bridge a few years back and just stopped and thought, ultimately, I don't want to leave my kids without a father. Um, But he will sit down and talk at length about depression, mental health, therapy. And that's a really uncommon thing to hear somebody who you think of as that much of a badass to do. Um, but he's a wild card, and he's also said a lot of really wild stuff about homosexuals and about, I think at one point he com- compared... Like he's really pro-homosexuality? No. Oh. His quote was something to the effect of, we will know that um, when God is coming back or when, when, the, when Jesus is, is, is here, uh, I don't know, what's the proper term for that? He's a big God guy. Yes, he is, and he'll say it in fairly apocalyptic terms. Like now that the now that gays are being married, all that's left is for us to legalize pedophilia, and uh, then we'll know that the second coming is here. He's got. He's not necessarily PC when it comes to talking about women, um, but he's just a a madman. But one who will also sit down and talk to you about how he's struggled with suicidal thoughts and. So, so do you like the art or the artist? More than anything, it's you know? just I can't turn away from it. Even though a lot of it is stuff that's kind of disgusting, he's he does not lack for being interesting. But he's in boxing, yeah. Like if you're going to be, I don't know. I guess if he was, if this was more mainstream, maybe more people would be protesting his existence, right? right. So this is a couple of weeks before the fight, uh, back during his promo tour. Um, when he made a, head, a couple of headlines with some of these statements. I go. I get up in the morning, take a shower, take a shave, brush my teeth, go downstairs for breakfast. Then I go to the gym, do working out. Then I come back, take a shower, regroup, have some more food. That's it. Train twice a day, eat, sleep, train, repeat. Really, that's it. I, I don't really do anything else apart from that while I'm in training camp. I don't go out. I don't see people. I don't speak to people on the phone. I don't take phone calls. I don't take emails. I don't search Google. I just li- literally live in training camp like a Spartan Trojan warrior. And that's it. 
what will be on the night is all in the hands of the gods. Now, eliminating yourself from all the outside distractions, is that what helps you kind of regroup and prepare your mind? Yeah, I'm really eliminating all the distractions this time. Uh, no phones, nothing like that. Um, no Diet Coke, which I've come susceptible to. I've had tons and tons and tons of every training camp. This is the first training camp. He was having over two dozen Diet Cokes a day. A day? Yeah. Better Ten than years. sugar-filled Coke. Sure, but not sure that that's a normal training regimen. This is the first training camp in 10 years I've never had one Diet Coke, and I will not have any till after the fight. This is the first training camp where um, I'm going to bed early at 9.30 every night, and I wake up every morning at 7 a.m. fresh as a daisy. You know, I'm doing a lot of things that I didn't do before. I'm eating five, six meals a day. I'm drinking 80 litres of water a day. I don't know if even any of that really matters on the night. It didn't matter before. But if it's going to give me an edge on winning this fight, then I'm willing to try it. Why not? What are some of the other things that you're doing to prepare for this fight? I'm um, masturbating seven times a day. <laughs> seven times? Seven times. <laughs> Keep me testosterone pumping. Pumping, 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 pumping it up. Don't you know? <laughs> See, that's a lot. That's yeah, a lot. listen. Got to keep. I've got to got to keep active and uh, testosterone flowing for this fight. <laughs> Don't want the levels to go down. Lineal champ in that regard too. Yes, yes. Why not? <laughs> Well, that's kind of an ender, huh? Yeah. It's hard to follow up on that oh, yeah, with, uh, yeah, yeah. well, what else did you... I forgot. When I was talking about going to bed early and, like, drinking all that water and not drinking Diet Coke, also seven times a day. Yeah, I was... So I was trying to write notes, like, so he's 80 liters of water, and I thought that would be interesting uh, until he said that. And he I, also, So he outlined for you there that he goes to bed at 9.30 and gets up at 7. I don't believe that he does the last thing, by the way. It would only have to be, like, Although his, Twice. Well, that is, his that is. T must be so much higher than mine has ever been. I won't deny that. But even at my height, which I feel like would be uh, you know, a, a little breeze outside or whatever would get you excited, you know, the, the Sears catalog or, or whatever it was, I'm trying to think back at my, at my height might have been four times. And this is, you right. know, 18-year-old or whatever. Yeah, or... I always thought ladies had that better because... Uh, Not as much of a concern. Yeah. You can kind of can do it while on the bus or something. You can't, like, guys, a little too... <laughs> the bus? Well, I mean, just... Interesting. Somewhere not... We got to set up a little bit. Whenever, wherever. If you don't believe yeah. him about that... But I, I don't believe him about that. But I wonder if it, you'll believe him about but this. But none of those uh, media members had the guts to, to question him. Because... There was a concern that, you know, if Wilder, if Wilder was able to touch him up a little bit with uh, a, a heavy right, that his jaw and his mouth, his chin are just, no one can handle that. Wilder's punch is just unstoppable. And so there's concerns about whether or not his chin and his jaw would be able to stand up to that. And Tyson, in the first one, uh, you were down a couple times. I am curious, do you worry about your chin, do you work on anything to make your chin that much more impregnable, or do you just say, no, yes. uh, I yeah. have confidence in my chin. I know it can hold up. I have got confidence in my chin, but I've been doing a lot of f***ing like it to strengthen my jaw. Oh, yeah, I've been uh, strengthening the old jaw as well. All right, good stuff. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I didn't follow that long. I have got confidence in me, Chip, but I've been doing a lot of f***ing like it to strengthen me jaw. Oh, a lot of blank licking. Yeah, to strengthen mm. his jaw up. Ah. And I believe at one point he went on to say once a day for a month. 
<laughs> well, and you never know how long that'll take. It's not like that's right. not a five minute ordeal. That's yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I guess it could if, be. I just might. I just might not know. I don't know if that's in conjunction with he one might. of the other seven times a day. Uh, but I also know that even if there's no practical application to it for boxing for your for your jaw, I liken this to even if you go to college and you don't end up working in the field where you got your degree, you still had to go through something pretty tough to prove that you're capable of handling a tall task and getting the job done on time. So. Anybody who's willing to do that 31 times, I think they're ready for a CPA exam. I think they're ready to fight Deontay Wilder. I think they're ready for the combine. Like, yeah, that's, that's just such commitment to such a terrible task that I kind of think you're ready for whatever at that point. Oh, you're calling that just a terrible task, huh? Well, by time two, but certainly by time 22. Yeah, would I don't know like if that's ca- strength- Would you like to counter? <clears throat> Um, just a huge fan. Oh dear! <laughs> uh, it's very subjective, I suppose. Some could be bigger fans than others. Every day for a month. Yeah, I think that would be. I think that would be rough. I think it would be more of a neck thing, right? Than a jaw more? thing. What's that? Well, and I also feel like you know, sometimes then your arm falls asleep or. <laughs> All right, when we continue, we'll uh, get back to the fight specifically. I'm probably not as good at it as he is. Next. All right, it is quarter after two. It is Dan. It is Jake on his last day before a much-needed vacation. This will be our 11th show together, and he's already leaving for three days. Mm. Julie is in producing today. We have Ryan Medellin. Doing some tickers and uh, Mino on the board. We're in the we're in the middle of Tyson Fury talk. Uh, fight I did not watch. When was that Saturday night? Boy, ticket stock high. Or you still went home and watched that, or did you go out to a bar? Where did you I watch? I went to the palatial estate of Cash Saroy. Ooh, would have liked an invite invite there. Enjoyed it hmm. with Cash. Interesting, Mike. Papa Mike Reiner, Corby, wow, Gen X Davey, I believe Damaris, and... Uh, I thought Cash and I were friends. It was a, it was a large a movie crowd. Friends. But real quick, before we get back to the fight, we played this piece of audio for you earlier today where a uh, radio show on ESPN in Cleveland, who I think is probably broadcasting live from the Combine, well, they thought their mics were off, and they weren't. And uh, this is Tony Rizzo and Tony... Grossi. R- Grossi. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to do that next. Right. And we're going to miss out on this guy. What's that? Burrow. Wentz, Watson, uh, uh, can you keep it going? Mahomes. Mahomes. And now Burrow. And now Burrow. And who do we got? Midget. So listing the quarterbacks the Browns have missed out on, and then one of the men says, and who do we got? This effing midget. We go to the newsroom now from an for an update from Jesus Tony and Ryan Medlin. We heard ESPN Cleveland's statement earlier. We have now gotten the statement from Tony Grossi. So does everybody have their bingo cards ready? Okay, yes, let's do this. I am truly sorry for my language and choice of words in a remark I made about Baker Mayfield that was captured on our live feed on The Land on Demand. I sincerely apologize for using a word that is a derogatory slur. There's no excuse for using that language in any context. It was said without malice, but also without thought. 
It is well known that Baker and I have had our differences, and in the course of this experience, I've had to question my role in the erosion of the relationship. I've always endeavored to report and comment on him and the team fairly and am shaken by these events. I will strive to be a better person and professional. I apologize to Little People, Good Karma Brands, the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, and to our listeners, and also to anyone who was offended by my remark. I have an open square for anyone who knows me knows that I have nothing against little people. (laughs) That's always a popular one, but we did get endeavored, strive, truly sorry, little people, to anyone, derogatory, sincere, no excuse, and no malice. And how about the plug? Captured on our live feed on The Land On Demand. (laughs) Right. Always rep the brand for The Land On Demand. So it'll be interesting the next time Baker and Jesus Tony. That's really cool to see this, or I guess to hear, because we're doing radio, uh, hear it unfold in front of our very ears just throughout the last hour and a half. Yeah, it's been pretty sweet, because another guy who works for a a Browns publication or a football publication in Cleveland said... Something to the effect of, I saw Tony get a, f- a phone call, say, oh, no, no, F, no, get up and run out of the room where we were broadcasting. And he said, uh, I thought that he had lost a family member. He looked that shook. And I can tell you there's one person today who is absolutely rubbing their hands together and saying that he woke up this morning feeling a little, a little dangerous. As the story shifts from backseat Baker. Right, right. To uh, Tiny Tony. So we'll go back to Saturday night in the fight where Tyson Fury ended the title run of Deontay Wilder. Um, It was a really fun watch. And it seemed pretty apparent pretty early from just a complete boxing uh, layman, maybe even worse. We have opinions, as Gribble would say, (laughs) that Fury's move was, I'm going to get up in this guy. I'm going to get as close to him as possible. I'm a lot bigger, and I'm not ever going to let him have an opportunity to just end me with one punch because what Wilder often says is those guys have to be perfect the whole fight uh, for 36 minutes. I only have to be perfect for two seconds because he is such a knockout artist. So that's what happened in their last fight that got them a draw, even though everybody thought Fury won the whole fight. He knocked him down. And later in the fight, nearly knocked him out. But the yeah. fact that Fury got up preserved the draw. But right. that was it. And so Fury's just walking him down the whole fight, and very clearly uh, was dominant early, and started getting to him a little bit, just leaning on him. And at one point, I think it was in the third round, lands a punch that appeared to have ruptured Deontay Wilder's eardrum. Well, actually, you know what? Let me press pause real quick. Let's go back to the intros. Have you seen these at all? Uh, yes, they're really, really over the top, right? The most over the top thing I've ever seen at a sporting event. I think Wilder is blaming the really heavy costume that he wore for hurting, like it wore down his legs before the fight. So he wore, Wilder wore a 40 pound costume that looks like, uh, armor, uh, helmet, uh, with the eyes lit up. And he says it was a tribute to Black History Month, but that, uh, the costume was too heavy and that was the reason that he did not have his legs later in the fight, where he was ultimately TKO'd in the seventh round. Um, yeah, he said he said in this interview, he said he will go to Africa at the end of March on vacation and plans to exercise his rematch clause for a third fight with Fury, and that he will get back to boxing once he returns from Africa. Okay, so, so it's already definite they're having another fight. Well, he's saying he's going to exercise. I don't know if that's been 
But uh, there's filed. a clause. I mean, it's there not is, like yeah. they have to renegotiate something. There's right. something in there. Yeah, right? he had like a 30-day window, I believe. Okay. Uh, so his intro, insane. Fury's intro is he's being brought in, uh, making it look like he's being carried uh, with his crown and his cape and a, and a, a king's chair. And like they were throne. saying, Wilder wasn't really in the best shape. So you would have to think, if he said he was focusing for six months and, you know, Fury, like, that will sell huge. Yeah, you would, you'd have to Like, think, I'll probably yeah. make sure I see that one. So, like I said, during the fight, we thought it was an eardrum. If ear Cash drum. invites me, I'll, I'll see it. Sorry, buddy. We thought it was an eardrum that was pouring blood. Um, it's since been reported that he didn't have a broken jaw. He didn't have a broken eardrum. He had a two-centimeter cut in his ear that took seven inches to close. But it is seven stitches. Seven stitches to close. Excuse me. Two centimeter cut. Seven stitches. It is pouring blood, and at this point, Fury kind of starts to mess around with them a little bit. So much so that in the sixth round, as he's toying with uh, Wilder a little bit, in a now viral moment, Fury kind of leans over and uh, and licks Deontay Wilder's blood off of his uh, off of his shoulder a little bit. Shoulder, neck area. Did he connect? Did his tongue connect to skin? To me, it looks like it did. I've seen people. Although I guess he, he worked out just, that tongue quite a bit. That's what I was going to say. The previous yeah. thirty days, and not only worked out his tongue. That that's an entire month. Well, then he certainly had <laughs> had that shark's taste in his mouth, right? You know, it's a whole month, and he said he was training for an entire month. So we're just connecting dots like reporters. That's all we're doing. So one of Wilder's trainers said that he disagreed with assistant trainer uh, Mark Breland's decision to throw in the towel to end the fight. Uh, That trainer said that Wilder's power means that he's always in it. I completely disagree. To me, it looked like if that fight would have kept going, he could have been in. I mean, he's not like he was going to die. But he was stumbling all over the place, could barely stand up, and his one-punch ability did not live there anymore. And I thought they were just going to let it keep going, and we were going to see somebody really, really get hurt. Um, but anyways, they throw in the towel, and then afterward, again, keep in mind that in our pre-fight prep, Tyson Fury told us that he was uh, doing self-care seven times a day to keep his testosterone up. And that he was uh, caring. And I didn't know that kept your testosterone up. Doesn't seem scientific. And that no. he was caring for his wife, Paris Fury, uh, once a day for a month in that most special ways. Well, here's right after the fight, whenever they go to uh, to the ring. Tyson, describe what it feels to do what you just did. You said it, you called it, and you made it happen. You know, first and foremost, I want to say thank you to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I said those who bring evil against me will not prosper. I said those who stand in the dark can never come into the light. All praise be to the one and only true God, Jesus Christ. Which is not usually what you hear someone say whenever their lead up to the fight was. I'm just right preparing by doing as much sex stuff as yeah, I Yeah, he's throwing you, throwing you a curveball here. Secondly... I just want to say a big shout out to Deontay Wilder. You know, he came here tonight, he manned up, he really did show heart of a champion. I hit him with a clean right hand and dropped him, and he got back up and battled on into round seven. He is a warrior, he will be back, he will be a champion again. But I will say, 
the king has returned to the top of the throne. Big shout out. By the way, I think that the uh, English fight fan travels hard to Las Vegas because it felt like an 80% fury crowd. Big shout out. Top rank. Big shout out. Frank Warren, Bob Arum, MTK Global, Barbea. A long, long time ago, I can still remember how that music used to make me smile. Sing along if you know the words. And I knew by how much So for the next three minutes, I don't know, I remember a UFC guy doing this a couple years ago. English guy to Sweet Caroline. This very song? Oh, Fury did this before with Aerosmith. Oh, that's right, with Aerosmith. Don't miss a thing. So he just sings a, a song, a cool sing-along song. And at one point it felt like almost the entire crowd was with him. It's kind of hard not to sing to hear the song. I want to sing right now. Wait, you got to get the chorus. I don't know why. It's hard. It doesn't really make any sense. The whole crowd was into it. And, like, there's something funny about a guy who just completely wrecked another guy. Boy, that's getting awesome. Up there and singing that I don't song. know why it's awesome. I don't know why he did it, but I want him to do it more. It's really cool. It's a fun night, man. And he's got funny Conor McGregor accent, so. Yeah. It felt like you were watching a movie. I know? love it. Good times. Love it. Now, today in Hot Topics. All right, five to one. This is the ticket. It's Jake and Dan. We're going to call it Super Bad Radio today. And today in Hot Topics, we'll run up until the news. We've got some Kobe Memorial talk to do. We've got uh, hockey people being hockey mad. Someone just sent this to me. And you're going to have to tell me if you recognize the voices that I'm about to play for you. Okay. Is it a cameo? It is not a cameo. I believe this comes to us from a radio show in Cleveland. A Twitter account of a fan uh, in Cleveland. His Twitter account says he is a Cleveland Browns and Cleveland Cavaliers fan. Recorded this and posted it to the internet. It now has been retweeted a thousand times in just a little over two and a half hours. You tell me if one of these people is... Jesus Tony, Tony Grossi, okay? Apparently, Cleveland Sports Radio thought they were off the air here whenever they were discussing all the quarterbacks uh, that they have uh, not taken. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to do that next. Right. And we're going to miss out on this guy. What's that? So that's the first you hear a guy say, we're going to do that next. So you can hear Is that the host? Off air talk. And then a guy says, and we're going to miss out on this guy. Someone says, yeah, Burrow, we're going to miss out on him. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're going to do that next. Right. And we're going to miss out on this guy. What's that? Burrow. Wentz, Watson, uh, uh, can you keep it going. Mahomes. Mahomes. And now Burrow. And now Burrow. And who do we got? F***ing midget. Effing <laughs> midget. <laughs> Uh, if it's seen, a radio host, Tony, I'm going to say that's Tony Rizzo, the first voice, and then the other voice must be his producer or something. Okay. That's who I think it is. It's not Tony Grossi from 
He's he's the guy that Manziel said, or not Manziel, uh, Baker said, Jesus, Tony. Right. Okay, well, we will follow up on that story to find out, but... Local, They're complaining about their effing midget yeah. at the quarterback position. And all the guys that they did and not how, take when they took Baker. And so if you think the, the relationship between Baker and Cleveland is going well, I'd say he's had a pretty rough off season between Cheesecake Factory Girl... <laughs> Jesus, Tony. And now this. What do you got, Ryan? We have a statement, if you'd like to hear it. Oh, I would. From? From ESPN Cleveland. We are aware of Tony Grossi's statement about Baker Mayfield. The term Tony used is a derogatory slur to describe little people. Good karma brands will not tolerate derogatory language that demeans others or groups of people. We are addressing the matter with Tony directly, and while we normally do not comment on personal matters, we do want to share that we have made the decision to immediately and indefinitely suspend Tony Grossi. In addition, we will pursue, pursue sensitivity and inclusion training for everyone on our content teams across the country. And I just filled up my entire apology bingo card, ladies and gentlemen. Once sensibility training gets hit, wow, we are good. Get Tony your prize, Grossi. Jake. I got it. In- All right, thank you. Thank you. Cash in. Okay. What so about the- if you were offended, though? I didn't hear that. Oh yeah, that's an open space on the board. Okay. But I hit Just a couple. Sure. I hit an indefinite suspension. I put uh, our brand will not tolerate that. I have a daughter that is a little person. Right, I'm get yeah. one. <laughs> open space. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm <laughs> that I'm a little person. So that is Tony. My Grossi. daughters were little persons, but now they've they're older. They grew up a little bigger. You're a full grown. Is girl, that offensive? Dad. What I just did? No. Nope. Uh, so, Thank you, Julie. So yeah. That is the the Tony that Baker got crossways with. Nice, huh? okay. And he's calling Jesus, him, Tony. he's I calling bet. him effing midget. Um, and of course, one of the funny replies to this. Thank you to P One Chuck for sending this. One of the funny replies to this. I wonder if Tony Rizzo is with Tony Gross. To okay. tease yeah. ahead to a, a a pending bad radio story, which was maybe he actually meant to call him an effing slug. Because John Bayline got, <laughs> got <laughs> right. fired after he called Call all the thugs. Cavaliers thugs, and later said. He actually was just trying to call them slugs because they were playing slow on defense. Boy, things are going well out there, huh? Awesome. <laughs> All right, let's do a little bit Fun from times. The Kobe Memorial yesterday. Uh, we'll start with the GOAT. We'll go with little Michael Jordan here. Uh, it was a two-and-a-half-hour affair, and it was kind of emceed, I guess, by Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel was one of the first uh, verses you heard, and he cried a lot. But it doesn't feel as funny to make fun of Jimmy Kimmel. First verses, first voices. Excuse me. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was on uh, the mic a lot. They did a song, and that's a tough thing. But um, Uh, and of course, Beyonce performed. um, But then we had tons of basketball luminaries, not only in the crowd but on the mic. And uh, here's very self-aware Michael Jordan. He's talking about um, the part I cut off. When he first met Kobe, and that during the game, the first time they played, at every whistle stoppage, Kobe is picking his brain. And like no, like he said that no one had ever done before. I took great pride as I got to know Kobe Bryant. That he was just trying to be a better person, a better basketball player. We talked about business. We talked about family. We talked about everything. And he was just trying to be a better person. He's losing it. Now he's got me. I'll have to look at another crime meme for the next 
<laughs> the elephant in the room, right? Yes. If Michael Jordan starts crying. <laughs> yes. Then all of a sudden, that's all we're thinking of, and he—that's very self-aware for him to. Because I, I wonder if he had something pre-written, or is he that quick on his feet that he? Well, here, or, listen or, to the rest of it oh, and see okay. if you can tell. I told my wife I wasn't going to do this because I didn't want to see that for the next three or four years. <laughs> that is what Kobe Bryant does to me. <laughs> So, yeah, he probably did say ahead of time, if I start crying, I'm going to work this in. But it is funny because, you know, Steph's there. I think Harden. Oh, they were all dying. Yeah, the second he, like, he said that, Like, because it's such a sad, them. it's one of those things where, right. you know, the funeral that's really, really sad. But if something funny happens, then all all your sad emotions come out in, in like, laughter. Sure. Yeah. It's just like an icebreaker. But it's funny, too, because all those players, as much as they all respect and idolize Jordan... They all use the crying Jordan meme on, you know, Twitter and Instagram. Probably have been since they've been, you know, in their early twenties. So this is that's what they were all thinking, and he he broke the tension. Cycle of life thing where I'm sh- I can't remember uh, an example right now, but I know I was yelled at by olds when I was a kid for thinking so and so was only known for this, or you know what I mean? Like, right. no, you don't know that. Uh, uh, who did the Godfather? The 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 actor like um, uh, I knew Brando. him as uh, Marlon Brando is an old fat guy, you know. And oh, you didn't know him as the sex symbol that he was when I was a kid or whatever. And like, well, I don't care. All I care about is what I see in front of me. My kids absolutely know Michael Jordan from that meme, and yeah. that is it. Um, maybe the uh, the movie too, Space Jam, but but that's all. They don't know him for for anything else. Yeah, this would this is would be a common society thing that today. Bob would get frustrated with me for if I just remember like one seventy year old athlete's like possibly controversial right. political opinion. He's like, You don't understand this. I know Wilt Chamberlain because he said he slept with thirty thousand women. <laughs> right, right. But not anything he ever did in the game. So uh after MJ was Shaq, which has always been an interesting dynamic in their later years, because they kind of try to act like none of that stuff was as bad as it was, but I don't believe that. I don't believe it either. And I, I think, think they hated each other at yes. the end of their tenure with the Lakers. And if you go back and watch a lot of the Kobe interviews, and I from think a lot of later, it was Kobe being the a hole because he kind of forced Shaq out. Yes, but I also think Kobe was saying, that, like Kobe has said publicly, if Shaq worked like I worked, we would have won seven straight titles. That he was frustrated with Shaq's lack of commitment that Kobe had because he's like, oh, this guy just, like, that it really drove him crazy that it took Shaq so long to get his free throws straight and that sort of thing. And I, I buy that 100%. And I also yeah. believe Kobe was probably never really all that happy with anybody uh, that was working with him. But of course, now they kind of try to act like it was all, all kind of overblown and everything. But I thought Shaq. Absolutely killed this. And yeah, sometimes like immature kids, we argued, we fought, we bannered or insulted each other with offhand remarks, our feud. But make no mistake, even when the folks thought we were on bad terms, when the cameras were turned off, he and I would throw a wink at each other and say, let's go whoop some ass. We never took it seriously. In truth, Kobe and I always maintained a deep respect and a love for one another. The day I gained... The day Kobe gained my respect was the guys were complaining. I said, Shaq, Kobe's not passing the ball. I said, I'll talk to him. I said, Kobe, 
there's no I in team. And Kobe said, I know, but there's an in me in that motherfucker. <laughs> so I went back. <laughs> so I went back and told Rick and, uh, and Big Shot Bob, I said, just get the rebound. He's not passing. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of buy that story too. Yeah, just uh, I love the Shaq cadence. Oh my God, he's got it nailed. Just but he talks like that, even right out of the even gate. if I'm not reading. And yeah, sometimes like immature kids, we argued, we fought, we fought. It's perfect. So that was a cool moment, and uh, there was slightly uncomfortable because they immediately showed like Jerry West. Because this thing's on ESPN and on E, and I don't know how much of a delay they were on because it's oh, a memorial service. Yeah, did they dump that on live TV? I don't know. The version that ESPN put up on YouTube, the full two and a half hours, it's in there. And Jerry West is kind of doing the, like, <laughs> old man. Didn't expect to hear an MFR on the mic tonight. Yeah, as uh, Kobe's little kids look on. <laughs> right, girl dad. All right, we have a little bit more for uh, Hot Topics. Coming up next, we've got, uh, we'll get to the hockey stuff. And then also, are you worried about Joe Burrow's tiny little hands next? So after the news today on this program, uh, a lot of stuff about fighting. We have pro fighting and we have show fighting. But that will be after the one thirty news, which is kind of our halftime show. So uh, at the NFL Combine... All the rage right now is to talk about Joe Burrow's tiny hands because apparently his hand size at nine inches. Well, I thought I've heard eight also. That seems like a big difference. Whatever. They they measure your hands, and the NFL ball is slightly larger than the college ball, unless you're uh, Tom Brady. And you manipulate that thing. Uh, and maybe they think, you know, you would fumble less if you have bigger hands or something. I, I don't know. But uh, they're saying his are the tiniest hands, or he's tied with Jared, Jared Goff for the smallest hands of any potential number one overall pick since 2003. Burrow has uh, made light of it, joking about it on Twitter. That maybe he'll uh, consider retirement instead of going into the NFL. Uh, Pat Mahomes apparently was also nine, noted for having not the biggest hands. Nine and a quarter. And he responded to Burrow's funny uh, tweet with, My small hands are doing all right so far. I believe in you. So. Yeah, and as an aside, it, in the, it in might the list not mean saw, anything here, but it's funny. Dak has massive hands. Dak has the biggest hands, I think, that have been measured for a quarterback in some time now at almost 11 inches. It's one of those things I would think I'd want it bigger. So the only thing about it is there's right, really no correlation between that and fumble rate. Jared Goff fumbles a lot, but I don't I don't think if you watch him play, it's because he has small hands. Just can't hold on to that ball. He's, yeah, <laughs> just can't palm it. It's because his pocket presence has fallen completely apart. So, I, Joe Burrow also didn't fumble much in college. Like, nine times in two years is not much. Let me tell you what's more interesting to me with Joe Burrow, and we're going to have to watch this story, is he's trying to backtrack 
on those who were saying he might not just want to play for the Bengals at all, might force a t- force his hand or force a trade or something like Eli Manning did. Like uh, if you want to go back in time, John Elway did. John Elway actually was threatening to play baseball instead of going into football. Eli Manning obviously forced his way out of San Diego to make that you know New York trade happen. His dad was kind of his mouthpiece at the time. But the Bengals are a terrible, terrible organization. I know they've had a good amount of playoff run in the past decade or so, but they are notoriously cheap. They are notoriously, they just don't treat their players first class. You know, their owner is the son of a great football man. That's his, you know, that's all his credentials are. Uh, I would think if indeed you wanted to force your way out of somewhere, I would think the Bengals would be on my top three list of NFL teams where, yeah, I would think it would be better just not to be involved with this organization at all. Might be a PR hit for me in the beginning, but I truly believe, man, if you get picked by the Cleveland Browns, I wonder if Troy Aikman could make it work. You know what I mean? There's something to nature versus nurture. And he made some early cryptic comments that made it seem like he might not want to play with Cincinnati or might, you know, he said he can... He said he controls his own destiny, I think. Yeah, he told Bob and Corey, he used the word leverage. Uh, yeah, he has leverage. Mm-hmm. That was the word. Um, but I don't... He's trying to walk that back now and say, I'll play for whoever drafts me and blah, blah, blah. I think he's doing that publicly because he wants his face to be good, but I'm sure he's got his people. And his people behind the scenes can send some loud messages as well. The thing is, do you have the balls to actually sit out? Because that's what it would take. And it would take a stubborn person, like Mike Brown of the Bengals, to maybe say, okay, I'll draft you and you'll be our property and you won't play anywhere. I don't know. Uh, you would think they the Bengals might be able to get quite a haul for Joe Burrow, too. Oh, my gosh. And still get a really, really good quarterback. But isn't your haul somewhat affected if the people that are giving you that haul know that he won't go play for you? <laughs> So in maybe, theory, in but theory. but uh, the the San Diego got quite a haul for Eli. They got two firsts, right? That sounds right. Yeah, is that where Merriman <clears throat> came from? I don't know. That's been a while now. So they I, ended up drafting Drew Brees, I think, in the second round that year. Or did they get River? Uh, I, I don't know. And I've also always heard that Cincinnati has one of the smallest. Like and this is kind of what you're saying. They have one of the smallest scouting staffs in the NFL. And that they're still they're very terrible. much stuck in thirty years ago way of running their their football ops. Right. Uh, I don't. I think he would be wise to not play for Cincinnati. I will tell you before they went one and fifteen or whatever the record ended up being two and fourteen. I don't know. Uh, I was a fan of the guy they hired, Zach Taylor, who was a quarterbacks coach and for the Rams, right? Yeah, and was an assistant for the Rams with McVay for a year or two before that. And he's hot. That seems like that's kind of all you're looking for now. Pre-rec, yeah. Um, but you know, I thought the most interesting possibility out there for the Bengals was Joe Brady. And once Matt rule and the Panthers snapped him up, you know, that kind of speaks to, and I mean, that is a gamble because the dude's not even really been a coordinator in college. But if I were the Bengals brass at that point, I would have, there's no way that happens. I'm hiring Joe Brady at LSU before someone else can get to him. And I'm sick sending that signal to burrow Look, look, we're serious about you, and we are, we're going to bring this guy in. Do you in. know who their current coordinator is, why they wouldn't do that? Uh, I mean, I would imagine Zach Taylor's calling plays, but I no, I do not know. 
No, uh, that's a good point. That could have... He was right there. He couldn't have been making that much money. In that could have uh, gone a long way, perhaps, yeah. with making Joe Burrow on board with going to Cincinnati. And maybe he is. But I, I just think if he's not, I would think I would support that fully. Uh, elsewhere in our sports today, we wanted to uh, follow up on the hockey guy. The hockey story of the day. So who's this guy? The 42-year-old... What was your acronym? E-Bug. E-Bug, the emergency backup goalie. I did not know they were called that. Everything's got an acronym. It sounds like uh, like electronic aids or something. <laughs> like an E-Bug right. sounds like something that your computer gets whenever your McAfee system but, fails you. Bug. But it's the third, it's the emergency backup goalie that every team will have a guy in the stands just in case two goalies get hurt. What's the real weird thing about it is, is he's there for either team. So each home team has to make sure they have a guy there as an e-bug. But it's very rare, very rare that the guy will ever get in the game. We've interviewed the Stars guy, but have the Stars ever used an e-bug? I would say no. no. So in their whole history... They've never even used it. No. That's how rare it is. They've played against one in a game because I believe the goaltender was running late or something like that. So it was like seven minutes. They played against an e-bug, but the Stars have never utilized okay, so, one for their team. Yes. So usually it's it's just a joke. You don't really even almost need yeah. to have one, but they did need to have one in this one particular game. So the opposition, the opposing team had to use the guy from Toronto, and they ended up actually winning the game. So he comes in the game in the second period. They're winning 3-1. They ended up winning 6-3. And I think they shut it down real hard defensively in that third period just so he wouldn't face a lot of shots because he his first two shots he faced, they went in. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this isn't just the happy story that we all think it is. Uh, like, we think this is such a great story, and I guess the guy has... Uh, he donated a kidney, or he had one donated to him? By his mother, yes. was donated to him back when he was 27. And like most of these guys, you know, they're not NHL players or they're not former NHL players, but he bounced around, you know, and did a little minor league type stuff. Not, okay. not even really what I... Probably more like a... It's something called the uh, American Hockey League, which I'm not really sure how big of a deal it is. But well, it, The AHL is, is the next step down from the NHL. Okay, what about Allen Cup Hockey? That's, That's where the he... ECHL, I believe. So, like the Allen Americans. Okay. The point is, he's he's played it's goalie his minor, whole life, yeah. but at one point when he was 27, <laughs> thought, I'm never going to be able to play any sport ever again. He gets a transplant from his mom, touching story, etc. Um, he's first star of the game. Um, I'm seeing here that it says in this story, had he signed a professional tryout agreement, he would have been paid $500 for the game, but Ayers said after the game that under the terms of his contract, he was not paid. He really? was given an autograph goalie stick, and Rod Brendamore, the Canes coach, gave him an autograph bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read that they get to keep their jersey, so yes. that's got to be pretty valuable at this point for yes. him if he wanted to do something. The like jersey that. and the puck. The jersey, Sell by it. the way, which he wore on uh, the Colbert show last night when they had him come out and uh, finish the monologue for Stephen Colbert. Oh. Wacky, zany bit. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but as Dan alluded to, not everyone's super happy about it. Uh, this is Brian Burke, and this is probably on TSN, yeah. right, Julie? But this came yeah, out it was. as I was seeing everybody's just 
talking about how great this story is. Touching story. This was the one voice in the wilderness uh, screaming that yeah. this story sucks. I feel like Don Cherry would have been all over this, too. If he was still employed, he probably would have been screaming about hating this situation. Okay, let's Brian, hear this guy. Brian Burke kind of has a reputation for this, too, right? Yeah. Like now that he, especially he's now that he's an old school former GM guy. He's out of the league, yeah. So here's, uh, here's Brian Burke from TSN. I think this is uh, Sunday night on the ticket. It's an emergency backup goaltender, Brian. A 42-year-old goalie, David Ayers, steps into this game. And the league took note when this is your emergency backup coming into an NHL game. What do you think will happen here? Well, I think they probably already got a call. I apologize to fans who turned into the hockey game tonight and ended up seeing an episode of the Twilight Zone instead. <laughs> this is bizarre. You can't tell me that the quality e-bug, as they call it, emergency backup goalie, that they can't get a better guy. Now, this guy had the game of his life good for him. He's got a great big smile on his face, but this is embarrassing to the National Hockey League, so I know they've used other goalies in the past, they're Ryerson and college goalies locally, but there's got to be 100 goalies within 50 miles of the GTA that played U sports or played in the CHL, played in the OHL, that are under the age of 42. Do you think the league's going to actually make a, a mandated situation where you have a, a, a different type of goalie they're waiting to come in. My guess is they're going to get Kay Whitmore to pick that goalie out of the candidates that they have. And they've got to have a guy there that meets the criteria that suits the league. Kay Whitmore works for the league. He's a former NHL goaltender. I think they're going to have a quality standard level that has to be met, not putting in a 42-year-old who drives a Zamboni. All right, I enjoyed it, though. It was kind of like Miracle on Ice all over again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I enjoyed it, though. You're kind of a D. Uh, I kind of agree with both of them, though. He had to like apologize to the fans. Well, you didn't see a, is, a murder. Well, if you're calling this the highest level of hockey that can be played ever, yet this guy can go out and pitch a shutout for one period, it's kind of circumstantial, right? I mean, like if they were down six to three, would he would would his team have had to push harder offensively and not expose him? Just the uh, whole rule feels so 1930s. <laughs> it really kind of does. That you would play for both teams. Right. But like the all-time quarterback in a backup or in a pickup game. It, it's a game that had playoff implications too. Like it it's a big game um for Carolina at that point. Could you could you pull a 42-year-old who never played professional baseball? Never played minor league baseball? But have him waiting in the wings, and you have to use him to pitch an inning. Could he pitch a shutout inning? Zero chance. And if you start comparing this to other sports, it gets dicey quick. Now, I want to be clear. This guy did play super low-level hockey, but it's probably more just like the best version of the local men's league. So you go out so to that's the, at his prime. Yeah, at his prime. So what are most 42-year-olds' True bodies? You know, I, I kind of agree with Brian Burke that Maybe you should have somebody with a little better. At, at first, it worked. He did the job. Right. That's the prob- That's yeah. the hard thing to agree with. Yeah, but it worked. Which does that embarrass your sport? In that, wow, look, maybe we overpay goalies since this guy can do that. But also, you have to factor in no. when he says there's a hundred guys who could do this. How many of them want to go to forty-one ga- or however many games that's that the, you're going to do at a thing, time yeah. and do it for a burger? And go to the arena for four or five hours a night and just sit there. You're not like drinking beers. You're not with your buddies and you just get a meal ticket. And it's such I mean, a dude, rare situation. Right. 
Well, in some like, teams, they have like three or four that rotate to right. split up the season. Because I know I have a buddy who's the e-bug for Arizona, and he only goes to maybe 10 games a year. Yeah, I think the guy we talked to with the Stars, same bit. Okay, He so doesn't go to every game. So they didn't even think about it like that. Like, okay, can you find four or five guys who want to do 10 games a year? I would Maybe. think you're giving them a free. They're hockey fans because they're hockey goalies. So, you know, you're giving them a free mini package type thing. But I think if you look overall at the whole situation, has anybody been talking about the NHL more than they were this past right. week? Right, and it's not because Is of a cheap hit. Is anybody talking about or, uh, the trade deadline? <laughs> like, yeah. no, the NHL has gotten a whole lot of publicity out of this, and if, you know, you can argue that's... One of the goals is just to make money and get publicity and all of that, and it's something that doesn't happen that often ever. Yeah. It's a cool story. It's yeah. like all the publicity that the... Uh the demolition company that can't <laughs> knock down a building is getting. But again, I do think it's kind of funny to imagine if he just got torched. You know, like they're having his mom on the Today Show to talk to him yes, about Yes, I'd like to see that alternate reality. He, he's tripping and falling all over himself. Dudes are just <laughs> point blank. Just yeah. He gives up like eight Soiled on his pants. Yeah. Yeah. It's a playoff he's, game. Right, playoff game. He's crying. Oh, God. And then he's not on the Today Show then. Like, that's a funnier... Then it's not a heartwarming story when in reality, it's kind of like he just did the bare minimum and his team parked the bus. It's a really cool story, Yeah. but I always wonder how society treats things whenever it's the same amount of heartwarming, somebody just loses. Oh, wait. Isn't he going to be at the Stars game tonight? Yes, he is, because the Stars are in Carolina tonight. So so Carolina's flying him in to honor him at the game. (laughs) Okay. That'll be interesting, so I wonder what the boys will have to say about that tonight. Uh, Hey, hear it right here on the ticket. Am I right? I always like to turn down the TV. And I turn up the broadcast on the ticket. Killer has a failed game show called Name That Drop. Today is Luca's 21st birthday. Right? Yes. Today? Today. So we will celebrate that and uh, talk about Luca. We haven't even celebrated that yet. No, for quite some time. We'll do that at about 155. Maybe 154. I don't know. Something like that. I'm trying to be exact. Uh, And we've been pretty sportsy uh, so far today. That's why we're willing to do this. Um, And what this is, it's a chance, but everything means everything. We won an e-break this morning on the morning show with Jake. We won the second e-break, which we did today at noon, where we thought we had some better e-breaks. Julie won that one. Thank you. And we are very possibly going to be entered into the uh, mix for next week with this next segment because we've handed it over to Killer. He said he's got a game show idea. And we said, say no more. Uh, So here we now introduce the game show idea. Killer says he has like an open for it. We just start it with the open. How much music is there? AP1s, it's time for your new favorite game show, Name That Drop. And now your host, Killer Kellison, and his Vanna White equivalent in this hashtag PC world, David Nino. Hey, how are you guys doing this afternoon? 
our, uh, our beautiful contestant, Julie, and the old man, Dan McDowell. How are you guys doing over there? All I know is Killer was explaining the game to me during the break, and I do not understand it. So I'm very interested in how you're going to explain it now to make everybody listening understand. It's going to be awesome. So Killer. basically, this game is. Oh, oh! It's just like catchphrase. You're, one of you will hear a drop, and you'll have to describe that drop and get your co-host to say who the, the talent is and what the drop is. But okay. if you say the host's name that made the drop or what the drop is, you do not get the point. Okay. Do you understand? So wouldn't the other person try to not get it right? So the opponent... Well, no. Opponent for you to get the point... Get points? Shut up, Mino. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think they're going to do a whole Astros thing in here and try to cheat each other out of a victory. But Dan I might. Think to cheat, you have to understand the concept first. So we're still there. But but I say we just go for it. Yeah, do it live. It'll be fun. Come on. Okay, so you're going to play a drop. You're, we're going to play a drop, and you have to describe it to Julie, and then we're going to play another. So you're going to play it for me. We're going to play it for you. So if it was Killer saying so. Although that so. may be one of them. is Did I ruin it? No, you did not ruin it. Okay, if Killer's saying so, I have to describe it to Julie without saying the name Killer and without saying the word so. so correct. That is how you play this game. Okay. So I, I could say engineer. You could say engineer. Assistant PD. You can say all that stuff. And if she gets it, she gets a point. Yes. But then, but then I'd be losing. He, yeah, then he would want to try Why don't to I get the point? No, no, no. You're I should get the point for... The describer gets the point. But so then she would, would not an, She would try <laughs> to answer it incorrectly. At that point, we're just being teammates. Yeah, not, you're, just, you're just trying to help each other. So we're just playing fun points. radio. Yeah. We're playing fun yeah. radio. There is nothing right. actually at stake no. here. No. There's nothing at stake. Which, Bob's no longer here. Which I can't really take because I'm insanely competitive. Well, you get bragging rights. How's that? That'll work. Come on. Let's just play this game. All right. All right. So. All right. So, Julie, turn your headset down. Okay. So, she can't hear this. She can't hear this. This is one of the problems here, too, because my headset might be loud through my thing. Okay. I hear nothing right now. Okay. Earmuffs. Put on earmuffs. David, play the drop. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Uh... You can go up and turn your headset up, okay, I guess, or I'm something. Back. I don't know. You have 30 seconds to describe this drop. Go. Okay. Uh, a sports bully. Bob. Is talking about something on the upper chest area. Uh, there are is two this Bob's th- breast friends? Uh, you're, you're close. You're getting there. It's kind of more focused. Boobies? More focused than that. More of a... Nipple? We'll kind give that one you. We'll give that to you. We're giving that? Okay. Yes. Here's the drop. Nip. Have you ever heard that before? Literally just nip. Nip, nip. <laughs> okay, no, I haven't. <laughs> but I still got it right. Yes, you did. That's a That's point right. for Dan. All right, now, Dan, you turn so your I, head wait, down. She didn't... You described she, it. I'm winning? You're winning right now. I helped you out. I did you a solid. Now, you have okay, to Okay, well, I'm not even going to try and guess because <laughs> I want to win. Okay, I'll turn my head... All right, Julie, here is your drop. The anus. That is Rick Arnett. One more time. The anus. Okay. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? <laughs> um, yes. Go. <laughs> um, I believe this host does a golf show. 
Um, okay. He does a golf show, and his first name, can I say what it rhymes with? No. Nope. Oh. Um, okay, so he is saying two words, and it is a part of the body that is your butt, but it's not saying that. How else can you say that? But it's two words? Uh-huh. Uh, the first word is a simple word. <laughs> the second word describes the part of the body. Oh, okay. The anus. Yes. All right. We'll give that one to Julie. The Thank anus. You. The anus. Good job, Julie. Thank you. All right, Julie. So is that Rosen Rosen or... That's Rick Arnett. Rick Arnett, because I would have... I didn't really guess who that was. It doesn't matter. We'll I didn't know going. anything else about him besides that he does the golf show, and I was going to say what Rick rhymes with, but they wouldn't let me. What word were you going to use to rhyme with Rick? <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. You didn't let me say it, so I'll never say it again. What's All next? Right, Julie, turn your headphone down. So, all right, is this a good bit so far? Yeah, it's good. Okay. I don't know. That wasn't that wasn't the drop. <laughs> no, just, no, I'm describe. No, I, I'm I'm going to side with TC thus far, but it, it has a chance to move up to. Uh, to all right. All right, here we go. All right, she'll never say this. <laughs> go. I just heard them talking about this the other day. Uh, okay, the most abrasive uh, man on from three to seven. Orby. And um, he's describing a, a toy hmm. that his kid had. I heard this yesterday. Okay. Corby. She nailed it. She got it better than I would, and I just listened to it. <laughs> the segment's a success just because we have that drop now. <laughs> All right, play the real drop. I think you did it great. She nailed it. How do you remember that from yesterday afternoon? It was just yesterday afternoon, but I don't think I nailed it. I think I could do better, but it wasn't bad. You don't have a lot of... Pot smoking in your history, or do you? Actually, How are your brain cells? I actually cells? don't. No. My really? Brain, my brain cells are n- not great, but for other reasons. Okay. Right, we Daniel. can talk about that later. They're, <laughs> they're winning two They're all full right of now. gluten. Yeah, just other things. All right, Dan. kids. Turn down my thing Turn and down go head, head, head. Uh, okay. All right, Julie, you ready? Yep. Here we go. Hot dog. You want it one more time? No, I'm good. Okay. Dan? No. Um, and I can't say another name for this person, but he's a muser. Um, not Junior, not Gordo. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I didn't say his name. Yeah, that, I guess. I guess that's a loophole. Still, I didn't yeah, think this about. Is kind of a messed up. Okay. Okay, so we know who it is. That's not where the uh, the gold probably is, though, right? No. Opposite of a hamburger. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know that a hot dog is opposite, but. That's right, right? It's hot okay. dog. Yeah. yeah. I'm just trying to help you guess the word. No, yeah, yeah. You got what it. What would be the opposite of a hamburger? A I understood you meant you meant hot dog though. The opposite of a hamburger. But that's like not the sandwich. opposite of What about a salad? Salad would be an opposite. There's no bread on there. I mean, it's different, but I don't think that makes it an opposite. I don't know. Okay, uh-huh. what's next? <laughs> uh, turn, Julie's moving you. Uh, yeah, I you like this game. I want to keep going. Turn your thing off. Julie, you got to turn your because okay. Killer decided to play a game where we you can't hear. Yeah, okay, go ahead. I did drink too much Woodford Reserve. <laughs> okay, all right, Dan, go turn him up. 
Jules. Mm-hmm. Judo. I'm back. You've probably heard this drop. Uh, the person is uh, a man who loves dancing. Tony. And he is remarking, it's a very long drop, not just one word. Can I say that? Yeah. He's describing why it's difficult for him to speak on the air. He was at the campound. Oh, I drank too much Woodford Reserve. Pretty much. Tony. Go ahead. That's it. Let's hear it again. I had too much. I did drink too much Woodford Reserve. (laughs) But he kind of said it with that gluten-free pizza. He did. Little slur. That I, you've you've. I uh, wonder who was further gone. You've patented. Dan is leading three to two. He was way gone. I think he definitely was. Yeah. All right, Dan, turn your headphones oh. down. Here we go, Julie. Vaginal size, more and more. Uh. Okay. All right. Um. So I've never really understood maybe <laughs> where this one came from, but I I know it's something that P ones call in and say during the e break a lot. Vaginal, uh, is it that one? <laughs> yes. What is it? Vaginal slice born born. I also don't. Vaginal it had, slice born born. It had to be born from the rant somehow, right? Yeah, it was. Anybody know the origin? I think somebody. I actually don't know. Just, yeah. I don't know. So probably Davy. All right, Julie, turn your probably headphones down. Probably Davy. Are you? Uh, hey. Yeah, turn your thing down. And, uh, okay. Here you go, Dan. Primus. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, turn it up. Uh, best looking guy at the ticket, and he mispronounced a hard rock band's name. Primus Dan. There you go. Oh. See, oh, she just called me the uh, Julie. <laughs> you trapped. You me shouldn't there. have said that, but um, tricked me into that. I mean, one. I will accept it. All right, but this, yes, Primus. This is the. Last- By the way. Julie admitted off the air she didn't. If I would have read Primus oh, and Julie was sitting there, she would have realized. She would have just nodded and said, "Okay, cool, Primus. I'm uh, looking forward to the Primus show." I would have. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't You'd, have. You uh, wouldn't have stopped I down like and yelled at me you like Mino did. And I also knew that's why I didn't laugh because I wouldn't laugh at someone not knowing something that I also don't know. Oh, I thought you might have jumped on the pile. I did not. Like to get a half sack. Nope, I don't just jump on the pile unless it's deserved. Okay. All right, Dan, turn your headphones down. Julie, are you ready? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. everybody! (laughs) Surely you heard that one, even with your headphones off, no? Okay, so, um... Yeah, I'm holding my earmuffs thing, so... Go. You did a good job with your earmuffs. This is... One of my best friends, he's on from 10 to noon with me, and he um, makes well, everybody I rolled laugh. out Norm. <laughs> Norm's one of my best friends. Everybody mm. is. Whatever. Um, oh, I, I'm not supposed to say off air stuff. He's on Cameo. Okay. The sea cow. Yes. And um, this is when he's twitching or whatever, <laughs> whatever he does, and he's screaming at the video game. Uh, is this during the Rhino Retirement Day? Uh, this is when he's like live streaming. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what he said. He has a famous it's a, drop. It's a potty word that's beeped out. And he's yelling at a large <clears throat> group of people. What did I do? You went way too long. You only had 30 oh. seconds, so oh. I gave you 50. I was being really well, lenient. I didn't go long. That just means he didn't guess it. Everybody! Right 
All right, this What's one's... What's a potty word? He says F everybody. Okay. I, I You said potty, and now I'm thinking of uh, a oh, word. Oh, no, we call, pat, we call any can bad word potty. potty words at my house. Yeah, I don't like to do that in the potty, but you know, if that's where you so find... So your kids use that type of language? Your no. four-year-old? No, not that type of language, but any sort of word oh, that we I don't... We reference bad words as potty words. Guilty. All right, this is from all the marbles here, Dan. Do what am get, I? Who's turning down their thing? Julie's turning hers down. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. And we dumped it too. We caught it in time. Okay. And go. Turn him up. Turn her up. Okay. Uh, this person is someone who might tell you uh, that it's time to start saying ninety six seven. 1310. Cat. We're using new imaging. And uh, he also. Our favorite bus. He also might have uh, been uh, very excited, very happy when this thing happened. He was happy about a, a, a feature that the radio station has some equipment. Okay. And uh, he's. We dumped he, it too. We caught it in time. There you go. There we you go. have a chance. And champion. we dumped it too. We caught it in time. Congratulations, Dan. You've won yourself a 1978 Ford Pinto and a lifetime supply of ranch dip. Don't hold back your excitement. I still think I should have won because I guessed that correctly. He won. It's time for your new favorite okay, game no, show. No, we're not playing that game again. I was 100% and I lost. I don't like this game. Yeah, how did I win? I don't even know. You got five right. She only got three right. You win. I think everybody won. The listeners won. Did they? I don't Killer know. Yeah. I just wasted How do we, 15 <laughs> minutes of somebody's day. How do we grade this, Mino, on, on the scale of uh, our right to I don't know? I would give this a unique. No, that was good, Killer. Okay. It could only be given to one man. Love that it. is the killer. Finally, Bad Radio Talks Ticket Stock and Ticket Time Wasters. This weekend was Ace Hardware Ticket Stock 2020. It was awesome. It was out at the Plano Center. I had a great time. Uh, we're going to focus here more on the time wasters, but it was really fun to talk with Emmett Smith, be up on stage with all the boys, and uh, Mike Reiner was probably the probably could have been the headliner of Ticket Stock. Probably could have uh, th- that would have drawn all the as many people I think as as Emmett Smith. So to have Mike Reiner up there on Saturday was was wonderful. Um, but Saturday night is where we're going to focus here with the time wasters. And uh, we talked earlier how Julie had a harrowing day, but was a gamer. The show must go on. Julie made it, and mm-hmm. we did our misbehaving song. I'm thinking less than 15% of the people have seen, people listening have seen the misbehaving video. From the Righteous Gemstones on HBO. You're probably right. But hopefully, even if you've never seen it, you thought it was kind of funny to see us up there looking like we looked. You had full costumes, a dance, both of you singing back and forth to a country song. I think it probably was still pretty entertaining, regardless of your familiarity. Much more of a visual, so I don't think we're going to replay that audio. I would say the same for uh, my opening song, which was finally figuring out after 20 years being here that the song YMCA... The cadence of that goes right with KTCK. Oh my, let's write a song. It took me 20 years to come up with that idea. 
Uh, but thanks to the tons of P1s who helped us out, I don't know if we if it would, the payoff was worth it, all the effort that you put into it, Jake. But Jake's outfit was great as the biker, and uh, Bob was the cowboy. Uh, Mino looked right at home being a gay construction guy. It's basically what I wear every Tuesday. Uh, Soroy was awesome. Um, so, And I think my outfit was non-offensive with the uh, big headdress. Well, good. So my woke daughter still doesn't agree, but... As long I, as you think that. I, I told her, I, I don't think, like, in 10 years you're going to be saying, uh, let's scrub that video from the internet. And we will put the videos up on uh, bobanddan.com, which is also danandjake.com. It'll redirect there. But but our website, we'll put those videos up there this week so you could actually see the visual if you didn't get to. But what what's the fun audio we wanted to play? Because I don't think those two songs are fun audio. No, and I did uh, the Luca rap song with Donovan, but we've done that on White Elephant today and played it a bunch. Um, but Mino and I debuted a new one, uh, set to the tune of the Young Rascals Groovin'. I think that's like 1967, about uh, me and Mino's shared love. Let's see who pulls this shit. Just you and Mino? Yes, me and Mino. Man. Oh, there we go. What's it called, Julin'? It's called Julin'. Because you about- guys smoke the... Uh- well, we did before they told us to stop, and now we don't. Okay, sure you never, do. Never, never. In the ticket control room. Julian. Starting every day at noon. All the poor is in the little got to make an octave decision in, in the, the ticket, ticket control room. And Mino went way low. <laughs> and I harmonized it. And you tried getting somewhere you're not able to. Right. We, we got, got nothing left to lose. <laughs> I like Mino's tactic better. It always helps me get through noon to three. Which is the talk. I told Jeff Catlin that this isn't we. It's kind of what I would do. With just a little hit of nicotine, where Julian. We had Danny all yours makes it yet. In the ticket control room. Dumber. We had Danny up there with Oh, he quit with vaping way too soon. So real quick. All too soon. Yeah, not too bad. I loved that. <laughs> I mean, That's it's terrible. But, yeah, it really is a great, great tune. And there were just clouds yeah. all over the audience. Big plumes, baby. How great is Danny, man? Oh, he's a Swiss Army knife. You can just be like, hey, I need you to do these backup vocals uh, and just kind of do this the whole time. And he's like, I'll look at it tomorrow. I'm like, well, tomorrow's the day of the show. <laughs> and he did, and then he nails it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of nailing it. And the whole band is great, too. Oh, so good. good. It's so. Good. It's amazing how you can send them the misbehaving video, a YouTube video, and then they nail it. Right. Which I, is I, pros, pros. I'm very boys. jealous of people with musical talent. Why don't you uh, take some lessons? I have on different things. That I just think it's there's some there. people that can't. Like, you could I take sprinting lessons? Would Please I ever do. be able to? <laughs> 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 you know. There's just some things you can't do. I, I can't take dunking lessons. I think it's a little different, but I don't want to get bogged down in that. All but right. uh, Mike Soroy did a song about me 
good friend of mine. We went and watched the fight together afterwards. So just a real sweet song for me. His Congre- song was awesome. Congratulating me uh, on my promotion. To every breath you take. And I think our bottle of brown was done yeah. at this point. So he was really feeling no confident. Way. No way. The job went to Jake. And now it's Bob and Snake. Was so hard to take. Was so much at stake. I must murder you. And I'm sitting up there with him. Enjoy your car lunch tray. Say goodbye, NBA. Kiss Nora J. You may want to pray. I will murder you. I'm 43. I'm stuck in tier three. There will be no can't get any breaks. He's coming up a little bit. It's all because of Jake. There'll be no escape. <laughs> Cause every bone I'll break. This here smile is fake. It's your life at stake. I will murder you. opposite what so <laughs> no but funny when he starts screaming man <laughs> it's a unbridled insanity killed it all right so thank you to everyone for coming out to ticket stock plano center we'll see you next year well p1s that's all for the podcast this week have a fun weekend and like that we're going Tonight 
tears of rage I cannot fight Be the last to help you understand Are you strong enough to be my man? That's right, all you P-1ers. Do you think you're strong enough to be Grego's man? Nothing's true and nothing's right So let me be alone tonight Cause you can't change the way I am You're strong enough to be my man Lie to me I promise I'll believe Lie to me But please don't